with Steve Allen. Morning, four minutes apart. You can see I'm a bit throaty this morning. Whatever it is that Sam Pitches has got, I've got it as well. And it started, uh, it sort of inflamed glands and all the rest. I think it's doing the rounds. Most people got this, <coughs> sort of like a, sort of a, a wet, dry cough or whatever it is. And it started last night and I thought, oh no, not this morning. Feel fine. Absolutely feel absolutely tickety-boo, 100%. It's just a bit irritating. So if I cough at, uh, at frequent moments, you'll just have to forgive me, I'm afraid, this morning. Hopefully we'll, we'll shake it off. I couldn't believe when I turned on the television yesterday and discovered that we were a trillion pounds in debt. A trillion pounds. Makes those letters from the bank manager look a bit pathetic, doesn't it, when they write and go, just like to tell you that you're £1,100 overdrawn. You go, listen, sort out the government first. A trillion pounds in debt. Which is very interesting. Tube drivers... 42,000 is their basic pay. 42... I mean, I don't know how difficult it is to be a tube driver. You might have to tell me about that. I just thought you you sort of sat there. You don't even have to worry about opening doors, because that's done by the guard. You've got a, a handle, which I'm assuming is... The, they still use that dead man's handle, which you, you keep your hand on it, the train drives, you take your hand off. It's not like you have to sort of steer it or anything. Presumably it just follows tracks... And as long as you can realise what a red light is and a green light, you should be fairly OK. 42 grand. It's not bad money. Plus, they get a pension contribution of 13,000, which is what Christo mentioned earlier. Customer service bonus, £250. What the dickens is that? What the dickens is a customer service bonus? What for sitting there? I don't even see tube drivers. I absolutely... Um, um, you know, sometimes the, the train comes in the station and you try and catch a glimpse of them. And, and, and you can't really see them, so I don't know where they get the customer service bonus. Over time, average about 1300 and then the free travel for two is worth £4,032. Total uh, prize package today is 61218 quid. It's not bad, is it? I, th- I thought that they were... I thought that tube drivers only earned about, I don't know, twenty five thirty thousand. I didn't. I didn't think that the basic was forty two. Blimey, it's nearly, it's nearly as good, you know, being a tube driver as being an MP, I suppose. Uh, 0845 And why is our national anthem so rubbish? Why is it awful? Why, we, we need a better one. Apparently, standing to sing God Save the Queen is supposed to be the source of national pride. Most people haven't got the faintest idea of the words beyond the first verse. And then, uh, in, in terms of making people want to sing along, five other nations came out much better than we did. So, in fact, I think you'll find that in the, in the order of songs, God Save the Queen is number six. Five is America, with the Star Spangled Banner, which they sing all over the... Nobody sings our national anthem. You know, they used to do it. I mean, you go to any American football games, and they sing the national... Perhaps we're not proud, are we? Perhaps we're not proud of our national anthem. It's also a bit rubbish. I could think... I mean, I quite like I Vow to Thee, My Country, which is good. Uh, Canada, I couldn't even tell you what Canada's... National Anthem is like. Not a clue. I can just tell you it's called O, Canada. And that's it. Number three is, uh, is Deutschland. Is that Deutschland, Deutschland? It's Zion City of Our God, isn't it? He whose word will not be spoken. Who can paint well such a river? It's, but, but then they, I mean, is that our hymn? And then they, they stuck German words on it? But it is Deutschland, Deutschland. And number two, Australia. Would you have the faintest idea what Australia's national anthem was? It's called Advance Australia Fair. Lovely. Not a clue. And number one is France, Le Marseille. 
which is da 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 da. Always to me sounds like the kid trying to sort of cut somebody's head off when you hear that. I don't know why. It just reminds me of a Carry On film. It's, it ran all the way through. Carry on, don't lose your head, or something like that. So why is it our our national anthem is so rubbish? Why can't why why is our one? You know, we go. Oh, we're going to do the national anthem. Oh, really? It's nice to hear. You know, when you see the Queen coming in, but they don't they don't sing it anywhere now, do they? It, it's, it's, it's a miserable, isn't it? God save our gracious Queen, or King, depending on who's in. Long live our noble King, God save our Queen. Send her victorious happy and close. Long to reign over us, God save the Queen. Thy choicest gifts. And so it goes on, but nobody ever gets as far as the second one, because we mumble through the first one. 90% of footballers haven't got the faintest idea what the national anthem is. And they just stand there mouthing, doing nothing at all. But it's not catchy enough. We need, we need a catchier... Definitely. I mean, perhaps we should get sort of, um, I don't know, Oasis to write a song, or Mick Jagger or something. Or uh, Stock Aitken Waterman could write something quite catchy. I see no reason why not. You know, for goodness sake, it's it's ridiculous that we have to have this dreary national anthem, which has gone on for ages, ages and ages. So perhaps it's time for a change. Unless, of course, you think... To, I don't know. Are you Are you particularly patriotic? Does it make you feel patriotic when you sing the national anthem? Does it make you feel, you know, that we, we, we've got a really catchy one? Well, I don't think we have. I would like to see I Vow to Thee My Country, because I think it's actually a, a better song, much better song. And then, and, and perhaps we could teach it to people in school. Because we don't even seem to do that anymore, do we? Most school lessons. I mean, we used to have a school assembly, and I can't remember whether or not we sang the national anthem. I have a feeling we didn't. I don't think we actually bothered with that. It's supposed to be a source of national pride, but most people now just go, yeah, it's, it's one of the least catchy around the world. I mean, Deutschland, Deutschland, I know it's not even politically correct. It's, it's quite a, it, it sounds quite good. It sounds like, you know, a pomp and circumstance national anthem. Apparently, the, the, the national song of Scotland is Flower of Scotland, and for, for Wales is Land of My Fathers, which is lovely. And I can't remember what the Irish one is. It doesn't even get mentioned, I'm afraid. But uh, they say that God Save the Queen is written in a way that doesn't invite high chest voice singing for most people's voices. And it lacks a real hook or climax where people feel compelled to join in and belt it out. Because you're right, you just just don't hear it, do you? Unless, of course, you think differently. 0845 6060973 or 0845 6060973. Six zero nine seven three or eight four eight five zero or steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, plus, this morning we're going to be talking. Can you believe that GPs? Sorry to depress you at this time of the morning, but as uh, we we were talking earlier on about um, about death, there's a story in the paper today about some poor lady. She's travelling from Canada, I think, and she's having she's having a bit of a mare of a journey. But in her luggage, because she wasn't allowed to take it in the plane, are the ashes of her husband, who who recently died. And uh, quite rightly so, you know, if you, and she wanted to take them and scatter them. And so she wanted to take them on the plane and they said, no, you can't take them on the plane. Unfortunately, they have to go in the hold. So she puts them in the hold in a case. When she gets to the other end, opens the case, they're not there. So somewhere between going on the case and coming off, somebody's taken the ashes. Now, most people's ashes come in a, a, a container that they give you. I mean, you would know what it was, I would have thought. I would assume that somebody would open it and go, well, it's not drugs, is it? Let's face it, it's grey powder, hence, you know, the dust-to-dust, ashes-to-ashes. But they've lost it. So they're now trying to work out where this poor woman's husband's gone to. I can only... I mean, it's, you know, it's not an easy thing to lose. 
But there is that... Pro- I mean, she, she's bereft, as you can well imagine. She's not at all happy about the, the situation. And I can understand that. But strangely enough, GPs are now being told to quiz the elderly, that'll be all of us, with serious health problems on how you want to die. I mean, it's just the kind of thing you don't think about, is it, really? You really don't think about it. So, in, in other words, would you like the do-not-resuscitate order put in your file? So, in other words, if you actually get to that state... I mean, are you kidding? Of course I want to be resuscitated. It's the whole idea, isn't it? I thought under the Hippocratic Oath they have a, they have a bounden duty to prolong life, to extend your life, to, to get you better. Unless, of course, you're so far gone they can't do anything about it. They also have been asked to find out where you want to die. Do you want to die at home? Do you want to die in a, in a hospital? And, uh, and whether or not you would refuse certain drugs or treatment in your final hours. Well, I'm assuming, you know, unless something different has actually changed, that most people don't know it's their final hour. Although, although I did laugh. Sue, uh, Sue Johnson, writing in her book at the moment, says uh, her mother was dying. And so she held her hand because they always say the last sense that goes... Is, is the hearing. People can hear you, they can't respond. And, uh, and she said she held her mum's hand and said, listen, I had a, a really great childhood and it was fantastic. She said her mum sat up in bed, sneezed and died. And I thought, that seems like a fairly good way to go, actually. You know, provided, you know, you don't, you know, you don't suffer any after effects. But that's been, oh, can you imagine being invited in by the doctor to say, listen, we'd, we'd, we'd like to find out how you want to die... I mean, most doctors don't like to talk about this kind of thing. Even though they deal with it on a daily basis, um, there are concerns, I think, that frail patients are being forced to remain on the wards until they die and are given medical treatment that only prolongs their agony. I did know somebody in, in, in our family, and they'd got to the age of 90-something, and they used to hate waking up every morning. They couldn't wait to wake up every morning and discover that they hadn't woken up. They said, because they're just so tired. You get to that stage, you know, we all get tired, but, you know, tired, tired at the end of your life. Whether or not, you know, people... I mean, I don't know whether you've thought about it. I don't know whether or not you have planned the way you want it to go. Have, have you planned your funeral? Do we, why don't we talk about things like that? Any other country, they, they, they're quite happy to talk about it and they discuss it. And, you know, families, you know, come round when somebody's died and they look at the... Per- Over here, it's like, oh, my God. We kind of shove it under the carpet. Nobody, nobody wants to talk about it. It's almost like we're too embarrassed, aren't we? So if ever you suggested to somebody, you know, if you want a good business to go into, why don't you be a funeral director? People go, are you mad? A funeral director? Good grief. Unless, of course, you think differently. If, if you planned your, your funeral, I'd love to know what it is. Or if you've planned out how, you know, how you want to go. Have you made plans for this? Have you written it down? Have you told close friends? 08456060973. We found the Irish National Anthem. It's Soldiers Are We. Is this the Irish National Anthem? Good Lord. It's in Celtic. Soldiers are we whose lives are pledged to Ireland. Some have come from a land beyond the waves, sworn to be free. It's not scanning so far, is it, really? Uh, So no more our ancient sire land shall shelter the despot... Or the slave. Tonight we man the Berner Begol in Erin's cause come woe or wit. God, do people know this? Do people sing this one? Can't believe it. That's the Irish national anthem. Which is, do we know what it's called? Does it have a, does it have a name? Uh, oh, but it was in Celtic. We haven't actually managed to, to do that a little bit yet. There, there is a very funny letter that appeared in one of the papers today, and I shall find it and I, sh- and I shall read it to you because it is funny. And also, the the big debate, I'm afraid, over Ricky Gervais 
and his description of Susan Boyle uh, calling her a mong on this late-night programme. And Ofcom have ruled that that wasn't offensive and it was OK. And so they've done a piece in the Mail today saying, you know, is it actually funny uh, to take the mickey out of disabled people, people with handicaps? Years ago, it was the Spastic Society. Now it's changed, of course, and it's now called Scope. But, I mean, we all remember seeing the little boy on the crutch outside the shops, which, you know, you put money in, and it was the Spastic Society. Then they decided, because I think after Ian Dury did a song, Spastica Elastica, I think, and, um, and he, he quite happily used, used the word. Nowadays, people say you can't do that, and some poor boy in the paper today, whose mum has actually taken him out of school because he was bullied for having red hair. 0845 6060 973. It's 16 minutes past four. This is M with Steve Allen. 0845 6060 973. Mark says, whenever you mention God Save the Queen, I automatically think of the Sex Pistols. You do. God Save the Queen! Fascist regime! I remember that. Whatever happened to them? Whatever happened? Two of them sold out and one's dead. There you go. Uh, somebody says, I think Abide With Me should be the national anthem. Well, it's a bit dreary, isn't it? I'd rather we, we sang Jerusalem. Abide with me, uh, abide with me, fast closing. It's a bit sad. It needs something a bit more uplifting. I think when they're looking for a, a national anthem, they're looking for something a bit like Deutschland, Deutschland, which actually isn't as high on the list as it, uh, as it should be. Steve, I'm Indian, so every time I hear the national anthem, it makes me proud and really inspires me. Yep. But you're supposed to be inspired by your national anthem. So I'm asking you this morning whether or not, you know, we have the right one. I know God Save the Queen is nice, but it's adaptable to God Save the King. Most people don't know all the words, so we sort of, you know, mumble our way through it. Land of Hope and Glory hits the spot every time, says D. Because Land of Hope and Glory, I think it's one of those, uh, land of... It, it just, you know, you see banner waving, you see everything. It always reminds me of last night at the proms. I never think of anything else apart from last night at the proms. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm going to go for that. I'm going to go for Land of Hope and Glory, unless we can find something a little bit better. And uh, so far, we've managed to find goodness knows how many Irish national anthems. There appear to be loads of them. Because somebody said the Irish national anthem is the soldier song, says Hugh, who's partly Donegal and partly London. Actually, strangely enough... I was I was worrying the other day about the Londoners' Lord's Prayer. I don't know if you've heard this one before. This is this is the one that begins "Our Father who art in Hendon." Do you remember that one, the Londoners' Lord's Prayer? It goes like this, um, which, which people learnt: "Our Our Farnham who art in Hendon, Harrow be thy name. Thy Kingston come, thy Wimble done on Erith as it is in Heston." Give us this day our leatherhead, and forgive us our bypasses, as we forgive those who bypass against us. Lead us not into Thames Ditton, but deliver us from Yule, for thine is the Kingston, the Pinner, and the Crawley, for Isha and Isha, Crouch End. There you go. That's the Londoners, the Londoners' prayer. Actually, strangely enough, that actually featured, I think, on an, on an album. I think Ian Dury put that on the, uh, the bus driver's prayer and other stories on an album, I think, that came out in about 1992, something like that. But somebody wrote about it in the paper today, and it just, just kind of refreshed my, uh, my memory of, of thinking about the Londoners' Lord's Prayer. <laughs> just seems quite funny. So what we're looking for is an alternative to the one that we've got at the moment, because we're not doing very well in the world's stakes of... Of, uh, of, of prayers and, and of, of patriotic songs. I'm afraid God Save the Queen just doesn't do it. The French carry off the crown with uh, the Marseille, which is the one that does it for them. Deutschland, Deutschland, uh, Star Spangled Banner, just beat Britain. And to be honest with you, I thought, you know, because you hear it everywhere, the Americans are so much more patriotic than we are. If you go through America anywhere, you will see flags flying. There will be flags. Over here... People complained about them, I think. 
There were an awful lot of people that said, oh, no, you don't want to see the, the British flag flying up there. So then you ended up with the St George, and every time you see that, you just think National Front. You never think patriotic. If ever you see that, you can guarantee the person who's flying that flag has got a staff... And they probably eat doner kebabs most of the days of their life. And that's about as good as it gets. But if you see the actual, you know, the Union flag, it's very nice, actually. Very nice indeed. But you don't see that very often. Go to America, they're everywhere. So much more patriotic than we are. You know, you go to little hick towns, very, very patriotic. Uh, I think yesterday, says Noreen, you mentioned Imelda Staunton. She's married to Jim Carter, who plays, of course, Carson in uh, Downton Abbey. And, uh, and Nathan sends his love via Facebook, which is lovely. Apparently it's Desert Island Disc's 70th birthday this week. I'd love to know what discs you pick. I've never sort of discovered what, di- you know, what discs you would ever pick. If you're stuck on a desert island, I'm assuming you've got a record player out there as well. Where you plug this thing in, God alone knows. But apparently you do it. I mean, it's, it's taken a downward turn, the programme. It used to be very good with Roy Plumley, And uh, it's gone off a little bit. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a little bit lame, I'm afraid, now. They don't have the right calibre or calibre of celebrities, which they used to have. So we're, we're, I'd love to find out which discs you would choose if you were cast... Or what book you would take if you're going onto a desert island. Because I suddenly realised the other day, I've got about half a dozen books. I've, I watched yesterday Tom Brown's School Days, which is probably more a boy's book than a girl's book, written a long time ago, set in uh, rugby school, and it's about a lad who goes there and, uh, and it turns him into a man. And, uh, and it talks about the headmaster, and, uh, which was uh, Mr Arnold of rugby school. Whether it was true or not, I've got no idea, but it was such a good film. There's so many different versions of it. Stephen Fry made one a short while ago, and, and it, was, it was absolutely brilliant. As so I sat down and watched it, and it was just good. It was really a nice, good film. And I thought, if I was going on a desert island, I'd have to take Tom Brown's School Days. It would be one of those good books that you want to take, that you could read. Some people say, oh, I'll take the Bible. I don't know anybody who's ever read it from cover to cover. Although I'm sure there must be really, really good, good stories in it. It's just not the kind of book. I'm, I'm looking for something that you can get inspired by. And then I thought, depends how long you're going to be on this desert island. If you're going to be on the desert island for a long time, I don't think Tom Brown's School Days is going to do it at all. I could, I could amuse myself by learning. I'd love to learn a language. I'd love to learn... If I was shoved away on a desert island, I'd love to learn a language. I'd love to be able to sing all the national anthems in their original language. Somebody did it overnight on LBC years and years ago. And every morning they came on. They weren't all, all completely there, I don't think. And every morning they came on and sang a different national anthem to Clive Bull in the language of that country. So we've got Croatia and Serbia and, you know, all the rest of it. So it's the Irish one we're looking for today. We're actually trying to find the Irish one, so we're, we are searching and scouring, as fast as our little legs and, uh, and fingers will work, the internet to try and find out which one we've got, because so far we've found no end of versions. So if you're Irish, hello, how are you? Uh, <laughs> that offensive? Probably. Uh, so uh, do let me know. Um, and what we're looking for is, is an alternative to God Save the Queen, because it's not, according to all the recent surveys, catchy enough. What we're looking for is something that, you know, really gets you going, a bit like Deutschland, Deutschland, or Canada. And I've got no idea what, what Canada's is, apart from... Have, have we got a little burst of Ireland now? Do, do, we, do we think this is officially Ireland, or do we think this is... Lord knows... This is the Republic of Ireland. Oh, Lord, here we go. So, a little burst of this one. Let, let me know if you think that, that this one's catchy enough for you. Here we go. Sounding promising. Sounding promising. It's a big orchestra for this one. Oh, I quite like this. It's, it's nice, isn't it? Does it come with words, or...? 
Oh, they're in Celtic. Oh, dear, there we go. Oh, I like that bit there. That was very good. Da, 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 da. That's good. That's good. Yes. Thank you, Ireland. There'll be a lot of people now going, I think we've just turned into an Irish radio station. That was quite nice, actually. It sounded better than God Save the, uh, God Save the Queen. If, we, if we're going to change anything, Len, we have to change God Save the Queen, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a bit outdated, isn't it? Um, well, to be honest with you, I think it had its day about 15 years ago. Uh, nobody knows the words. I think it's about time that we went, I tell you what, you know, it's, a, it's, it's the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Let's come up with something different. Well, I, I've always um, thought of uh, Royal Britannia as yes. our national anthem. Yes. It's more lively. Um, it's getting a few people going sometimes, you know, with singing pubs, people singing in various places, don't I, yeah. you know? Well, I don't know, actually. You mentioned pubs. Yesterday, we, we discovered that in the last two years, more than a thousand pubs have closed down. I know. I think it's a very sad thing. It's all to do with opening the market up, wasn't it? And I know yeah. there's not a lot of money about it, which doesn't help, but when they took took pubs away from the breweries, mm. I think that was the, the downfall. I really do, you yeah. know, because... Because Whitbread was a big brewer, wasn't it? Yes. At one time. Oh, yes. Now they yes, don't yes. brew a thing. They sold their labels off to somebody else. And, it's a um, shame, really, that when you actually look through all the things that we think are traditionally British, most of them tend to be overseas companies. Oh, yeah. You're dead right. I was horrified. I couldn't believe that, the, that there isn't that much that, that is British that we think is British that is. Well, <laughs> it's got O2. Everybody thinks, oh, O2 is a part of British Telecom. It's not. Spanish Telecom, Telefonica. Well, in fact, I'm, I'm, I'm about to lose my bank because I am, and I hold my hands up, with Royal Bank of Scotland. And I have been for years, even before it was that and it was William and Glynn's. And I'm about to become Santander. And to be honest with you, I don't want to be Santander. Well, transfer to NatWest. Well, I think that's what I'm going to have to do, but it's such a pain, isn't it? You know, you've had an account for 30-plus years, and then all of a sudden you've got to move it elsewhere. Yeah, but NatWest... He's only a trading name of the Royal Bank of Scotland. Yes, yes. I mean, I was hoping to win the lottery, but it turns out it's some builder and his wife who, who won 41 million quid the other day. And, uh, yeah. and, and she, she said on television, she said, and the first thing we're going to do is change the hall carpet upstairs. Well, the bank that I would avoid is one named after supermarket because um, <laughs> I, I, now my wife has come a cropper with insurance. Oh, oh. Um, one, one particular supermarket uh, used to use another insurance company and basically covered, put their name on their paperwork and took their commission like, you know. Now they've been sort of set up on their own using him as an underwriter. Oh, I hate uh, things like that. It drives me mad. Prices are out the wall, like, yes. You know. Yes. I mean, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, strange enough, there, there isn't very much which is made in Britain now. You know, there's bits made all over the place. Len, thank you for that. So he, he's going rule Britannia, because he said people would sing that in pubs, and then I pointed out, of course, we seem to be losing pubs left, right, and centre. We're losing loads of things, aren't we? It's, it's like, I mean, when do you ever see? And I only know a couple of restaurants in London serving British food. I'm not even sure what British food is now. Is that is that fish and chips? Fish and chip, boiled beef and carrots, a roast, pies, things like that. Rules is, is a very good British restaurant up in Covent Garden. It's very old-fashioned. Kings and queens have dined in Rules upstairs. In fact, one particular king used to take his mistress there. And it's a really old-fashioned, dark red hanging curtains. And, you know, it really looks lovely. And it's, it's very nice. It's not cheap, but, but you have to pay to be British. But one time, you couldn't get anything but oysters. 
Now, oysters are considered a luxury, and yet it was considered at one point in London the cheap food. Only poor people ate oysters and stuff like that, because it apparently sort of raised your libido. Small wonder we're wearing children everywhere. Have, have some more oysters, mother, and then quickly into the bedroom and turn the light off. The gas light, incidentally. OK, tell you what we'll do. We'll take a very quick break. So we're looking for a replacement for God Save the Queen. We're, we're not saying we are going to replace it, but unfortunately, in a recent survey, it's proved quite dreary. It's not one of the catchiest national anthems, so we're looking for something a bit catchy. It's LBC 97.3. Time now, 4.30. Conversation with Steve Allen. Morning, 28 minutes to five. So we're, we're looking for a replacement for God Save the Queen. In a recent survey, we didn't do very well in terms of catchy national anthems. They have to be catchy, and apparently ours isn't catchy enough. And it, it's all to do with the way that the notes are placed. And so that's why it's proving a bit dreary. We're at number six. America is at number five with the Star Spangled Banner, which I think sounds quite... That sounds all right, doesn't it? Uh, number four is Canada, with, uh, with O Canada. Number three is Deutschland, Deutschland, Uber Alice, which I think was a song that I know. And I can't, I've now forgotten what it's called, actually, but it's, um, I'm, I'm sure it was British, and then they, they hijacked it. Which is a bit of a shame, isn't it? So we're not doing very well. Number one is France. With, uh, with their very bloodthirsty rallying cry to the French Revolution of La Marseillaise. Da-dun, da-dun, dun 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 And we get... Dun, 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 dun. It just sounds dreary. It sounds dreary. It's about time we got it up. Perhaps we could give it to somebody and get to do a funked-up version. You know, just make it a bit more interesting for people. Because I, I think, you know, I mean, I'm sure that there are loads of elderly people listening who go, no, we, we quite like it the way it is. But I reckon if the Queen had... I mean, she must be bored witless with hearing the National Anthem. She really must be, poor soul. 84850, steve at or 08456060973. And uh, when we, we were talking earlier on about GPs, we're going to start asking people how you'd like to die. And I wonder, really, when I say how you'd like to die, uh, Graham says, I, want, I would like to die like my uncle did, peacefully in his sleep, unlike the 42 screaming passengers on his bus. It's, it's an old gag. It goes back many, many years. It's, it's very funny. But it, it was funny in the 1930s, I think. And I wonder, really, whether or not people have made preparations for the end of how you... You know, I've, I've, I've often spoken to people, and I've said, I think we can have you buried. And they've got, no, I'm going to be cremated. And I'm going to, I said, well, listen, you won't have any say in it. You know, because the time you've gone, you know, we'll be deciding what happens to you. And uh, people, no, I'm going to put it in my will. I want this to happen and that to happen. And I thought, I wonder if people plan it out. In, in, in some cultures, it's already worked out for you. You know, you'll have, I think Ireland especially, they do have, you know, the body brought back to the house and they have open caskets. You know, which, of course, freaks most people out because 90% of us... I don't include myself, have never seen a person who has died. Because it's not the kind of thing you see very often, is it? Unless, of course, you're of a certain age and you've seen parents and stuff like that. So I saw both my parents, and uh, and I've seen other people as well. And it's it's just not... I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm still a bit funny about it, actually. I don't know why. I don't know why, because we're all right when somebody's alive, and yet two minutes later, after they've died, we become like, ooh, can't do anything like that. So have you made preparations? Doctors are going to ask you. You know, do you want to die at home? Do you want to die in a hospice? Would you like the do not resuscitate put on the end of your... I mean, can you believe that? 
Mind you, of course, if you're in the last throes, as they say, and you can only laugh about it, you can't take it seriously, you know, the last thing you're worrying about is what they've written at the end of your bed. You know, do not resuscitate. Who cares? Who cares? Doesn't make any difference to me. So, have, have you made plans for your funeral? Do you want one of those ecological funerals? A basket? You know, uh, I know that Holly's mum says she wants us to put her in a firework. Oh, to have one of those... Yeah, that, so you can do that now, can't you? And you can also have your ashes made into a ring, I think. There is a process where... <laughs> sounds ghastly, doesn't it? Uh, my, my auntie Enid says she wants to be in an egg timer. And so we just turn her upside down every so often in the kitchen and she keeps working. Even in death, she's still useful to us. But uh, as I say, she's going to go forever and a day. But I just wonder whether you've made those... I quite like the idea of being in a firework. I, I, I think that's actually quite... Except, you know, people going, oh, what's this falling down on us? You know, and, and you hope it goes up high enough and it just disperses over a huge area. I like that. Actually, the more I think about that, the more I think that's a nice idea. I don't know how much that, that, that would actually cost to have things like that done. 0845 6060 973. Have you, have you made plans? <laughs> have you made plans for the end of your life on how you want to go? I want to die with a chocolate brownie. <laughs> Are they diabetic? Yeah. <gasps> promised me these days ago. Oh, my God, fathers, look at these, Lou. She might have to curtail the programme for a second. Um, no, they're, they're diabetic ones, so I, sh- I should be all right. Look at these, look at this. Actually, I can't try it, Josh. I t- I'll, I'll tell you, I'll try one. And- oh, they look delicious. Look at that. This woman's got more Tupperware than I've ever seen in, in Lakeland or anything like that. Every, t- every day it's a different box that comes in. These look absolutely delicious. Diab- oh, they smell lovely. Oh, dear. What, what sort of things can you not live without... What sort of things can you not live without? Oh eight four five six zero six zero nine seven three. So I'd love to know. I'd love to know whether or not you've made plans for the end of your life. And also, can you remember the second verse of the national anthem, which I think begins, "Thy choicest gifts in store." And I can't go any further. Than that no googling, no 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 cheating, because it would be very easy just to cheat. So uh, it'd be interesting to find out if, if, you, if anybody knows the second... There'll be somebody who knows all of them, but you mustn't cheat. I shall know if you've cheated, because I can hear reading. I'm very good at things like that. 0845 So second... Ver- I don't forget how many verses there are of the National Anthem. Loads. Loads and loads of verses, but you can only get as far as the first one, and then you just give up. So give us a ring, 0845 Also, I would love to know as well if you've made plans for the end of your life, on how you would like the funeral conducted, whether you want a religious service, whether you don't want a religious service, you know, because you might not be a religious person, in which case having a religious service seems a bit pointless. But some people like that kind of thing, don't they? They, they like to feel that they're going to go on to somewhere else. It depends whether you believe, doesn't it, that you're going to go somewhere better place with chocolate brownies in, I suppose, would be ideal. Chocolate brownies and a nice cup of tea. I'd be quite grateful for that. Sitting on a cloud, I could sit there for ages and ages. As long as somebody was going to... I'll tell you what, fish fingers as well. Fish fingers on a... On, oh, suit me down to the ground. So let's, let's, let's see whether we can find out this morning whether or not you're, you're going to manage this. I don't any cheating on the second verse of the National Anthem, or the third verse, all right? 0845 you, you, you have to, you have to be, hold your hands up and be totally honest with me, OK? Julio, Julio! Hi, good morning. Morning! I trust you're well. Yeah, well, well, I'll, I'll be better. I'll be better when I've eaten something. Yeah. Okay, I was thinking of a fried, fried egg sandwich myself. Mm-hmm. But oh. never mind. Uh, your, 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 um, 
asking about a new national anthem. Mm. I was wondering whether they shouldn't play Land of Hope and Glory more often. Mm. Don't you think it's uh, uh, suitable? I, I like Land of Hope and Glory. I always associate it with Last Night of the Proms. Oh, dear. <laughs> and, no, there's nothing to matter with that, because I think that's when we are at our most patriotic. Mm. I think, I mean, I like flag-waving. I don't think we do enough flag-waving. Okay. And I think we're, we're supposed to be we're supposed to be proud, aren't we? So I think Land of Hope and Glory, Mother of the Free. I mean, it says everything about us that we need to know, doesn't it? Yes, I think it's uh, well. You know, these days people seem to be running down one thing or the other. I think that nobody's ever true. happy, are they? No. I, I, I find it a little bit depressing. Do you know the second verse of the national anthem? No, I know. <laughs> do you know the first verse? <laughs> yes, I know the first verse. See, the first verse you can do. Why yes. is it we can't do the second verse? Uh, well, it has never, ever reached that far. People are always in a hurry to get over something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether you're old enough to remember, but I remember going to the cinema, mm-hmm. and at the end of the last playing of the film, they would they would bring the lights up and play the national anthem. Uh well, I arrived from Barbados in 1962. I think I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah, yeah. It's nice, though, isn't it? Yes, yes. It would be. It would be good. Hmm. Yes. All right, kiddo. Okay. Thanks a lot. Take care. Cheers. Land of hope and glory. So, just at that moment, I took a mouthful of brownie, and I've I've got it wrong. I've absolutely got it wrong because I got as far as the first verse of the national anthem, and I didn't get the second verse right. I thought it was. Thy choicest gifts in store, uh, which isn't. That's the one that they jump to at the end. I think that's that's the last bit that they jump to. So I'm rubbish. I'm absolutely even. I don't know it, and I'm supposed to know these things. Obviously, not a very good idea, is it, to try and guess what the uh, what the words are. So if you think you 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 can do it without cheating. Without going to a computer and Googling, 08456060973. I can just imagine today, can't I? All these people going, what were we doing this morning in LBC? We were trying to work out what the second verse is. I mean, it put it this way, if, unless you've Googled it, you wouldn't have the faintest idea what these... Because I've never even heard. I've never even heard these words before. Never even heard them. Very, very interesting. 08456060973. And also, if you've made plans... For the end of your life, you're going to have that do not resuscitate, or are you going to uh, you're going to have one of those ecological funerals? Are you going to have certain? Have, have you selected the hymns that you want? Some people are very good and very meticulous at working out what they want as they move from from one life to the other. Assuming, of course, you think you're going to another life. I'm quite looking forward to sitting on a cloud. I promise you. I mean, I'm, I've always planned. I've just I love the idea that if there is something nice up there. You can watch it from afar. You know, you can kind of sit there and look down on whatever's going on so people will still be talking about you, and you can sit there. They can't hear you or see you. It's a bit like, I suppose, being a ghost. But then I don't believe in ghosts, so I'm not sure I can believe in this thing. They say ghosts are troubled spirits, don't they, who haven't quite made it into the next life. And so Christo was talking earlier on about this picture that appeared in the Standard of a boy who was a leper victim suffering from leprosy. And and they've and they've got this this photograph. Well, it's rubbish. It doesn't look at all like anybody suffering from leprosy. It doesn't look anything like that. What what it ends up looking like is a very hazy photograph. And why is it all these people, as was pointed out earlier on, 
are always in old clothes. Never anybody in tracksuit bottoms with a hoodie on, is there? You never see any, any ghosts like that. Because presumably, we, you know, it, it's better to think that they're all... They're all sort of people from another era, so it would be Dickensian or, or Victorian or Georgian or something like that, and, and people were talking. I think this was taken in the Whittington Hospital, and, uh, and, there, and then we had somebody came on from the Whittington Hospital and said, well, I worked there in the hospital radio for years. I never saw a thing. And having worked there at night, that's the time, because you never see ghosts in the daytime, do you? You don't, you know, you're never sort of crossing the road, and there's, oh, look, there's a ghost on the crossing. It's only at night time, because there's spectral figures and they're all shrouded in mist and stuff. I mean, I'd love to, I'd love to believe in it. I really would. I'd, I'd so want to believe in ghosts, but I cannot. Because there's never any tangible proof. I don't believe in poltergeist. I don't believe in anything like that. People throwing things around a room because it's a, a troubled spirit. I don't believe in that. I wish I did. I, I mean, you know, like most people, I'm a fantasist. And I would love to believe in little green men on another planet. I would just love to believe in all sorts of things. But unless I see something concrete, I don't want to see a faded old photograph of the Loch Ness Monster taken in the year 1950-something. Because it doesn't mean a, a thing to me. There is nothing in Loch Ness at all. You have to say that. Because if there was, there'd be two of them. Otherwise, this thing is so ancient. It's got to breathe. All this rubbish about underwater caverns and that kind of stuff. It's still got to breathe. You know, it's, it's, it was poo-pooed years and years ago, but let's face it, we don't really want, want to, to spoil the tourist industry, do we? I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll take a very quick break, then we'll come back and we'll talk to uh, Maraid. Uh, and we think we might have the second, version of, uh, the second verse of God Save the Queen. I'm not pinning too many hopes on this one, I have to tell you. It's uh, quarter to five. This Steve Allen. We're all struggling this morning with this, so we, we, we all get as far as, God save our gracious Queen, long live our noble Queen, God save the Queen, send her victorious, happy and glorious, long to reign over us, God save the Queen. And then it goes, Maraid. May she defend us all and ever give us cause to live with heart and voice, God save our Queen. Wrong. <laughs> no, 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 listen... Listen, what's the, what's the beginning of the second verse? And then I can tell you. Oh, right. So the, well, the, the beginning of the second verse is, O Lord God, arise. No, it's not. That's it, not the beginning of the second verse. It so is. It isn't. I'm looking at it here. What? I'm looking at it here. Well, did you want the Irish one or the English one? The English one. Uh, that's well, you've got two. Pardon? <laughs> How many have you got? I know the Irish one by Harks and Irish. Oh, what well, can you can you sing the Irish national anthem for me? Yes. Oh, Which do... one do you want? Is it in English or Irish? Uh, let's have it in oh, Irish. Uh, let's have it in Irish. Oh, she na fi na fall at off a out a garin bin dar slu tartir aron evoing Sarah quick for so faster. The found the hero dollar How many verses are the marade? What? How many verses are the day? Well, it's nearly finished. <laughs> you want the English version? Yes, now? please. Soldiers are we who lives are pledged to Ireland. Some have come from a land beyond the sea. Sworn to be free, no more our ancient stars shall land beyond the shores. Despot of the slaves, ate we men the bear of boil. Do you know, you're, 
You what? are a mine of information, young lady. Oh, of course I am. And if you start the second verse of God Save the Queen, I will tell you. Well, it was on my list, I've got... Well, I tell you what, I mean, th- there are five verses in the National Anthem. Yeah. And well, I'm, I'm just going to check with... with yeah, I'm so just going to check it. with Dee, because she she might have... Um, she might have the other verse. So, D. Oh, oh, hang on, I've still got Maraid. I can't lose Maraid now. I've still got... I've, I can't can't get D. Hello? So, there you go. Hi, D. There are five verses in the National Anthem, and I wish I could tell you what they are. They oh, right. were in a little book I bought my son for Christmas called The Little Book of Patriotism, and it has all the really important dates and famous sayings from Shakespeare and stuff mm. like that in this little book of patriotism, and there are definitely five verses. Well, you see, the strange thing was, I thought the second verse was the one that began, Thy choicest gifts in store, but that turns out to be the last verse. Mm. So, quite clearly, when when people did it, and they said, right, we're actually going to do a couple of verses, they just went the the first verse and the last verse, and people forget the middle bits. Well, I don't know about the last verse. I wish I knew it. I'm afraid I don't. And I think the land of hope and glory should be our national yes, anthem. Yes, I, I think you're right, actually. I think, it's, I think it's far more patriotic, far more gutsy. Absolutely. And it's far more waving the flag and being proud of being British, because nobody, nobody seems to be proud anymore. No, I'm, well, we've been so diluted, haven't we? Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I have no problem with being diluted. I just want people to sort of stand up and sort of go, I'm very proud of this country. I, I absolutely agree. Yes. I love it here. Yeah. I can't. Th- I can't think of any. You know, people say, "Oh, I'm going to go and live in Spain." Or I think, "Good, we'll go and live in Spain." Yeah, I know. I think Britain is a wonderful yeah. country. Yeah, I want to stay here where all our roots are. Yeah, you know, totally much, right. much nicer, <laughs> much yeah. nicer. Having, uh, yeah, having lived abroad, I, I quite agree. Yes, but it's like, always, it, it's nice to go away, but it's nice to come back. Absolutely, and see all the green fields. There are a lot of green fields left still. Oh, good. Look, listen, you could actually because you're in Sussex, aren't you? Yep. I mean, you've got loads of green... I mean, I remember doing a train journey up to Scotland once, and it's just beautiful. Yeah. It really is. You know, if, if people are not doing anything today, get on a train and just dr- just go out into the countryside somewhere. You'll love it. Yeah. It's amazing. So, five verses, we think. Dee, yeah. thank you for that. OK. All right, lovey. Um, let's go to um, Tunbridge Wells. God, I haven't been to Tunbridge Wells for years. Honour. Yes. Hello. So, Hello. do you have the right second verse for me? Well, I've got a second verse here. Right. Which goes, O Lord our God, arise, scatter our enemies and make them fall. Yes. Confound their politics, frustrate their knavish tricks, on the our hopes we fix, God save us all. Now, was that from memory or did you just Google it? I mean, no, 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 no. I'm in bed. Um, well, I think that's far too much information. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe um, you've told no, me that. Like, it's in the Book of Common Prayer. Oh, right. And, th- th- and there is another verse after that, isn't there? But then thy choicest gifts in store follows after that. On her be pleased to pour, long may she reign. May well, she defend our laws and ever give us cause to sing with heart and voice, God save the Queen. Right. There's only three verses in, in the Book of Common Prayer. Right. Because I'm assuming that most kids at school would have had to have learnt that and sung it at assembly. Uh, I think, well, I'm, when I was a little brownie, back in the year dot... Um, I've just eaten a little brownie. <laughs> <laughs> you, you beast. <laughs> <That's> cannibalism. <laughs> um, we we, we learned um, that first verse and the third verse, not the one in the middle. You know, I had to learn by choices, gifts, and store. Yeah, when you think about it, the stuff that you had to learn at school that stuck with you. I was I was saying to a friend of mine the other day, it's amazing how many hymns I hear on songs of praise. Yes. I yes. can sing along with every one of them. 
Yes, well, I can remember sitting in church one day, it was a very boring sermon when I was young, Ooh. and going through all the hymns in the back and thinking, gosh, I know hundreds of them. Yes, yes, you're right. And it, it, it's almost like Christmas carols. We know all the Christmas carols, but the hymns, and, and there were so many, you know, that Wesley did and other people. And I'm, I'm, I remember sitting there thinking, I know all these. Yes, it's amazing how many we know. But then, of course, unfortunately now, I don't think a lot of schools have assemblies where they sing all these hymns. No, because it's, it's too, many, too many different faiths, isn't it's it? National, national, na- yes, just different faiths and nationalities. Can't believe you're still in bed. It's ridiculous. It's five to five, woman. I know. I'm getting up in a moment. Well, I, I, I get th- up at quarter past five. Oh, OK. Yeah. I'm having a cup of tea. <laughs> well, you managed to make that without getting out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> There's an interesting thought. Oh, no, have a nice day. Thank you very much indeed. So, I'm still in bed. I love the way people tell you things like that in the morning. It's like, I'm on the loo. You know, <laughs> I have answered the phone, you know, and people go, where are you? I'm in the bathroom, because we never say on the loo now. We just say, I'm in the bathroom, which is so much, it kind of covers a multitude of sins. I'm always worried about getting electrocuted. I don't know why. I spend my life worrying about things, actually. Being electrocuted is, is one of the, uh, the top ones. So, no snow yet, which is good news. All happy about that. No snow, we quite like that. Uh, Maggie Thatcher, this film, up for an Oscar which I think could uh, do it. But, at the, but this morning, we're, we're having trouble with the national anthem because, A, ours is a bit dreary, the God Save the Queen. Secondly, nobody knows the verses. People know... We've had a few people come up with, um, with some of the verses, but you never sing them. You never sing them, do you, Anne? Well, yeah, we used to sing three verses at school. Oh, wow. We had to learn them from memory. And thy choicest gifts in the store is the second verse. Oh, right. I've got it as the last. Well, we used to sing it as the second, and I'm not surprised nobody sings the third anymore, because it goes, not on this land alone, but be God's mercy's known on every shore. The Lord make the nation see that all humanity... What? A little bit cracking on that one. ...family, the wide world or... Yes, it, yes, it's that, that wide world or... Yeah, but it's a... Yeah. make the nation see that all humanity should form one family. So it's we amazing how the, one national really. Yeah, it's amazing how, how the words sort of differ a little bit, because I've got, not in this land alone, but be God's mercies known from shore to shore. Lord, make the nation see that men should brothers be and form one family, the wide world or... Well, where, what, did you get that from somewhere? You're yes. cheating. Yes, I'm cheating. Of course I'm cheating. That's disgraceful. I know. I can't, listen, I hold, take me out and shoot me. I'm re- I, I had to cheat because I did, because if somebody came on and said something, I wouldn't know what the answer was. Well, what, what, what are you cheating with? I'm cheating with, with a computer. Oh, right. Well, <laughs> hmm, well those are the words we used to sing at school. Yeah. And did you know the other verse, which is, From every latent foe... From the assassin's blow, God save the Queen, o'er her thine arm extend, for Britain's sake defend, our mother, prince and friend, God save the Queen. Oh, I vaguely remember hearing that at Guides. Oh, interesting. You see, so at Guides you had to learn this, didn't you? Well, no, you just sang it and it sort of got got into your bones. (laughs) But I tell you the best version of it, which doesn't help us singing it. No. But um, Benjamin Britten wrote an absolutely brilliant score for it oh. that changes it completely. And if it, they, they've started playing it at the last night of the proms now. They first did it, I think, two years ago or maybe three years ago. 
and everybody said how brilliant it was and we should use it all the time. And they, they certainly did it at um, last year's last night of the proms. Mm. I've never been. Have you ever been? No, um, no, I've been to lots of proms, but yeah. I've never been to the last night. Oh, I'd love to. But apparently it's, it's, it's a ballot for people to get seats because it's always so oversubscribed. And yeah, I think it's, it it's the kind of thing... I mean, I, I watch it on the television. There used to be a bloke who used to feature on it, and he would stand at the front dressed up as if he was the conductor, and he would conduct the orchestra, but he was, he was one of the promenaders. That's right, Do yeah. you remember him? Yes, I do remember this. I used to remember see him. these people all the time, and I used, to, I used to love it. Malcolm Sargent down there. In fact, I think I've got an old album with Malcolm Sargent doing Last Night of the Proms. Makes you feel terribly proud. Yeah. And I think Malcolm Sargent started one of his, uh, one of his speeches by saying, it's so marvellous to see all the promenaders here. He said when earlier on in the day they were all ripping up railway carriages. <laughs> see? Vandalism even in the early days. And thank you for that very much indeed. So we've now found all the verses. I now want to find out from you. Really, whether or not uh, you've made preparations for the end of your life. I don't like to say it too loudly in case of some people this morning not feeling too well. You know, I'm feeling it because, you know, I've now started getting this sore throat which is doing the rounds in the building. So obviously I've picked it up from somewhere. I can't imagine where. But I've started getting swollen glands. And at my age, it's not a pleasant experience. You know, and, and this morning, the, this, last night actually, I thought, you know, it, it ta- it, all of a sudden, you, you know, when you sort of you swallow and you think, oh, that hurts a little bit. And so immediately this morning, I went through all my medicine in the bathroom to try and find out if I'd got anything that was good for a sore throat. And I discovered I had three bottles of Coughlinctus, all out of date by about three years. Because apparently it's got Selbert. I, I managed to find one bottle of, uh, of Coughlinctus, which wasn't out of date. I'd forgotten that tablets go out of date. And I wasn't sure what effect it would have on me. It'd probably send me balmy than a barrel load of frogs, I should imagine. But uh, I threw it out. I was very brave. I went, no, out! I just have to go and buy it. It's terribly expensive, this cough mixture, but I'm determined not to succumb to it and start moaning about, you know, I can't go to work, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm prepared to be a trooper. I will moan about it, of course, because I'm a man and we moan about it all the time. So I'd love to know if you've made preparations for the end of your life. Ghosts, as, uh, as was featured in the, the Standard yesterday. And, uh, and Mick Jagger... Who do you think, because he's actually said that he doesn't want to be used as a political prawn, pawn, sorry, and, uh, huh, a little bit of a misnomer there, and so he's, uh, he, he, he was going to join the likes of model Lily Cole and uh, the inventor of the World Wide Web, Sir Tim Berners-Lee, I've never even heard of him, and these people uh, can do something in this country. I thought Mick Jack is a bit old, actually, who would you nominate as a, as a celebrity who could showcase Britain, you know? Somebody, Colonel Sanders or something, I don't know. Somebody interesting. So let me know. 84850 News with Sam Pittis in a matter of seconds. On FM, online and digital radio with Steve Allen. Morning, four minutes past five. I can't believe it's four minutes past five. They were saying now in, in one of the papers today, uh, you'll be oil right because fried food isn't bad for you. They, th- this is in the light. I mean, I know, well, apparently not. They say eating fried food is not bad for you if you cook in olive or sunflower oil. I bet that's okay. So what is it? I don't know. Because we used to go to a lovely uh, Jewish fish and chip shop, which was open on the Mile End Road years and years ago. We used to go and see, see my, my grandmother. Then we'd come back and they used to fry, I think, in lard. Would it be in lard or something? Whatever it was, everything tasted so much nicer. So much nicer. And they, they were looking at Burger King who have this uh, this new burger out, which has got 890 
calories and 55... No, sorry, that, that, this is from McDonald's. 890 calories, 55 grams of fat. The Burger King, 996 calories and 58 grams of fat. I mean, it's just absolutely... Heart attack waiting to happen, I would have thought. Um, and then they've got one here from J.D. Weatherspoons, which is six beer-battered onion rings... And a tower of a burger, grease, grease dripped from my hand. This was 1,671 calories, 83 grams of fat. However, 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 over at Kentucky Fried Chicken, they've got uh, this hash brown on a burger. Um, and, and sort of, I don't know what it is, but it's 655 calories, which out of all the things that they've looked at, seems to be fairly, fairly good value. But I mean, can you believe it? J.D. Weatherspoon's 1,671 calories for this six beer-battered onion rings and a sort of... It just looks disgusting. I can't imagine why anybody would ever want to eat it. Although, I mean, onion rings I do quite like, but they've got to be tasty. Most onion rings have got no taste at all. Talk about the national anthem and the fact that it's, it's, it's not as catchy as it could be. So we're looking for alternatives this morning. And um, this is uh, Therese, who's listening uh, from her desk in Sydney, Australia. Because you did quite well with the Australian National Anthem. That number two in, in terms of catchy-catchy. But I, I don't even know it, I'm afraid. And she says, um, it, it's sung in Irish before all the major events, the Irish National Anthem. No more movingly than before the All-Ireland hurling final in Croke Park every year. It's got a proper climax and makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck every time I hear it. There are certain songs, aren't there, that do that to you? Have you noticed that there are certain songs you will hear? And it doesn't matter whether I'm hearing them here or I hear them on, you know, any one of the other radio stations that we own. And you'll hear a song and you think, gosh, that's good. That's a really, really good song. Um, Anthony Williams, morning, Anthony. Anthony says the new national anthem, Steve, should be Rule Britannia. Yes, a lot of people like that, don't they? Rule Britannia. Uh, Steve, if stranded on a desert island, the book I would take would be the Bear Grylls Survival Guide. I don't think I could do that because I have a horrible feeling it involves killing animals. And I'm not going to be very good at, at killing animals, even to survive. I think I would have to. I mean, I couldn't even catch something in the, in the sea. I seriously couldn't. I, I think I would be the first person to starve. If I was stranded on a desert island and they said, right, here is a survival guide. This is how you snare a rabbit or you... Oh, I couldn't do it. I absolutely couldn't. I've seen programmes on the television before where, where, where they've done that and they've said, right, here, here is a pig and you're going to be killing the pig. And I'm thinking, I'd rather go hungry. I, you know, I would eat it, but I, could, I couldn't kill it or do anything like that. I'd just... I'd be rubbish. Um, London one here. This is uh, from Stephen... Got a very Irish surname. It says, change your bank to the co-op bank owned by its members and not a front for any foreign banking group. Makes it sound quite sinister, doesn't it, really? He said, how about Born This Way by Lady Gaga? The world thinks we're strange anyway. Let's embrace it. <laughs> they do think we're strange, don't they? But I like, I mean, I like people thinking we're strange and a bit quirky and we're British and we're a bit, you know, we're a bit off the wall. I like the idea that they all think we live in a Merchant Ivory film. And we all go around and, and men have got copies of the Financial Times rolled up under their arm and they wear bowler hats and go, good morning. Or feeling that we're all living in some, some costume drama. Because <laughs> I'm totally convinced half the time we are living in a, in a costume drama. Suzanne? Hi, Steve. Morning. Oh, you sound wide awake. <laughs> yeah, I'm wide awake now. Well done. Um, I was just, you know, you were talking about the national anthem. Mm. And um, our national anthem, I happened to hear it at the inauguration of... Um, Obama, and it was actually, it's actually an American song that we've hijacked. Is it? Um, and it's, it was called My Country Tis of Thee, and it was sung by um, Heather Headley and Josh Groban. They sang it at Obama's inauguration. I don't know if you've heard it. No. 
And what? it was amazing. I thought, but that's our national anthem. <laughs> somebody's no, somebody's singing our national anthem. Yeah, but they, it was, no, different words completely. Oh, right. And it was sung, it was written by an American, so... Mm. But, I suppose, but, but isn't that the same as, as, as I said earlier, Deutschland, Deutschland? Yes, something like that, yeah. Which, I, I can't remember what, what it is. Da, 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 da. Zion City of our God. <laughs> I, remember, I remember that one, but I didn't get very far with Deutschland, Deutschland. So obviously, somebody hear, hears a tune, and then they just adapt it and put words to it. Yeah, that's exactly, that's but, exactly. If you look it up, if you look that up on, um, on YouTube or something, you'll find that. Oh, right. Amazing to hear. It, actually, it sounds quite nice uh, with other words. Yes, it, to, to be honest with you, I sometimes hear hymns which they've uh, they've sort of set to different music, uh-huh. and and that I quite like as well. But it's funny I was saying earlier how how we remember hymns because as children we yes, used to sing right, them yeah. every day. Yeah, that's right. As adults, we we don't do anything like that. We don't do any. I'd love to better sing every day. It'd be nice. It would be nice because nobody. I mean, you know, I, I do sometimes during songs of praise join in. <laughs> I've had yeah, a bottle of Pinot Grigio music anyway. So. Yeah. I loved it. I was in a school band. You know, when yeah. I was a little kid, I used to play the triangle. I wanted the drum, but I never got the drum or a xylophone. I got the blasted triangle. That's about as far as I got the triangle. I know. I, they always, and, of course, you only ever came in twice in any song. I was very disappointed. I go, why can't I have the drum? And apparently it was all to do with whether you got to the lesson first. And then on one time, I finally got the xylophone, only to find out the xylophone wasn't included in this particular song at all. So I sat there sort of humming along to myself. <laughs> but at least yeah. the trying. I mean, you never see people now go. And also, I wanted to learn um, what do they call castanets. Yeah. I wanted to learn castanets. And then I, I watched somebody do it and I thought, no, they look very boring, actually. <laughs> and so I ended up with a triangle again. <laughs> at the end of each verse, ting. That was it. <laughs> what a sad life. Suzanne, have a lovely day. You too. Thank you, Steve. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Aren't people funny at this time of the morning? I don't know why I think people are funny at this time. I think everybody's funny at this time of the morning. It's because I've had my chocolate brownie. I don't believe a word that Lou says that it's a diabetic one. I can feel it taking effect slowly. That's, I must ask you, because I'd, 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 I'd love to find out this morning, because I have a number of listeners. I have a number of... Well, of course I have a number of listeners. But I have a number of red-headed listeners. And there is a mum here. Her name's Emma Walsh. And she's got a son called Tyler. And she's had to take him out of school because he's being bullied for being ginger. The final straw came when he was chased into a toilet cubicle and had to be rescued by a Year 11 student. And so Emma um, has has accused the school of not, not punishing people. The trouble is, and here comes the dilemma... Everybody gets bullied at school. We've said this over the years. We all, you just have to learn to deal with it. It's, it's not an easy thing, but we all, we all dealt with it at school in our own way. I mean, I was bullied at school. I think most of my class was bullied at school for some reason. You know, too tall, too short, too spotty, too fat, too thin, haven't got the right clothes, can't afford this, you know, look dirty, look scruffy, can't afford a school satchel. There's all sorts of reasons why you'd be bullied. Or if you've got too much money, you've always got sweets or somebody had cigarettes or whatever it happened to be. Everybody got bullied at school and you just dealt with it. Nowadays, of course, we've got people who interfere. I mean, you never in my day would have gone to the school and go, I'm being bullied because that would just make it worse. You'd then be known as a sneak. You know, somebody, you know, a telltale tit. You didn't want to do stuff like that. So, and when I was watching Tom Brown's school days, 
at one point, the boys thought that Tom Brown had actually gone to the headmaster and, uh, and told tales over Flashman, the school bully. And the one thing that was instilled in them at rugby school in Tom Brown's school days was don't tell lies. Because the only way you're going to be successful if you tell lies is if you've got a good memory. Because people who tell lies get caught out. And that's why, and the, uh, Mr Arnold the headmaster at rugby, uh, started expelling boys. But for ages, the boys thought that Tom Brown had told tales out of school because you don't do it, because it makes it worse for you. If you could do it anonymously, then probably people would do it. But they haven't at the moment. Um, what they've said at the school um, is that we're doing everything with our power. It's very difficult to deal with this kind of thing. And I wonder, really, it's not just redheads, is it? It's not just redheads that get bullied. I mean, personally, I love redhead. I wish I was... It's like, you know, when, when people sort of say that they're, you know... This is going to sound really bizarre. You know, people say they're Irish uh, or they're Jewish. It means that you've actually got some sort of history. I just go, I'm British. I don't really feel I've got anything in the, you know, my past. There's nothing... I, I think I must have come over on a, on a Viking warship or something years and years ago to do the pillaging and the other thing. But, uh, but that was it. There's nothing very exciting, but if you're Jewish, you've got heritage. If you're Irish, you've got heritage. If you're Scottish, you've got heritage. And Welsh, you've got history and, and coracles and, and tall hats and people sing at rugby games, and it's, it's fabulous. But if you're British, I feel I need a little bit more. It's no good getting excited about boiled beef and carrots and fish and chips. You know, I really can't get excited, even though it's this time of the morning. So when you hear about people being bullied for having uh, red hair, and they've had to take him out of school, it's now, it almost puts the school in an embarrassing situation. He cannot go back because they're all going to go, oh, right, so now you've been in the paper and she have said you're being bullied. Have you mentioned my... And it, it, it could make it even worse for the poor soul. So sometimes, you know, you, you, you think you're doing the right thing, but in, in effect, as Tom Brown said when he left his dad to go to rugby school because he was boarding there, he said, don't, don't hug me. He said, when, when, I, when I leave the, uh, and get on the stagecoach, he said, because there might be boys watching and it makes me look a bit, a bit mamby-pamby. So his father said, all right, I won't. I'll just stand there and say, good luck. But then, of course, the better got hold of Tom Brown and he, he ran back and embraced his father because he was leaving, uh, leaving home. Made, made him a much better person. Very good film. Very good film. Very old film as well. But I quite like uh, old films. 84850, uk. What is the answer to bullying? I wish I knew. I wish I knew what the answer was. If, if you've got red, if you've got red hair, were you bullied at school? I know some people dye their hair red, but this is—he's he's got proper red hair. This boy, and being bullied, but now he's in the papers. It's—it might actually get uh, get um, get worse. I see that uh, dreary old Yorgi Porter. Who on earth calls their daughter Yorgi? Makes her sound like a chocolate bar, doesn't it? That you can't pronounce properly. Uh, apparently, she's revealed that dancing on ice has left her too tired for romps with her boyfriend. Oh, good Lord above. I mean, honestly, if you want to make yourself look cheap and sound cheap, you've just done it, love. You've absolutely done it in one, you know, ridiculously stupid interview. Are you that desperate for publicity that you have to do this? Ice skating sends my libido into meltdown. How tacky are you? Very tacky. That's why you're in Hollyoaks and not going any further. Quarter past five. <laughs> In the LBC Newsroom, Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. Police have charged the 20... With Steve Allen. Can you believe they're bringing out pink Lego? They've decided pink Lego to appeal to girls. How ridiculous. I've never been so stupid in my entire life. Or perhaps it's gay Lego. 
Who knows? Gay Lego. You know, gays can only use pink or something. What's different? I mean, I, we used to have a, a Lego shop in Kingston, and and it had lots of different coloured Lego, and then it disappeared. And I think all the Lego shops disappeared. When, when I was young, we just used to play with it because it was red and white. And then and we used to have a few windows, and you could sort of nearly make a house. Couldn't quite make a whole house because we didn't have all the doors and everything else. But we used to love playing with Lego, but now that it's gone all PC, and they've got to have Lego for girls. Goodness knows why. Talk about ghosts as well, this morning, in the light of the Whittington Hospital, where somebody claims they've seen a, a ghost, and they've taken a photo. It appeared in the paper yesterday. It's, it's very fuzzy and hazy. Why you can't get a good picture of a ghost? I've got no idea. I'm assuming they stand there long enough or they drift through another wall or sort of disappear into the ground in front of you so you can take a nice picture and then you could put it up and go, who is this? Because then you, you'd probably better find out. Jane! Hello. Morning! You, do you have a ghost? Or well, you've well seen? you said that they didn't um, appear during the daytime, but mm. um, well, I was always very sceptical until I saw one. <laughs> what, in the daytime? Yes. Good Lord. <laughs> no, Explain either. more. Well, I was uh, a teaching assistant, and um, I was in the middle of teaching a table full of girls. And in the corner of my eye, I saw this, this body come into the room. And I thought it was the head teacher, because, you know, she would quite often mm. walk up and down the corridors and pop in. Mm. And so I turned to look, and I saw this sort of um, beigey apparition, which um, sort of looked, um, well, it was a man uh, in his 40s with um, like a beige coat on anyway so i looked in astonishment and the girls were looking at me because they it was just out of sight of them mm. and um and then i just looked back at them as if to, i was looking at them to get acknowledgement had they seen the same as me <laughs> are you watching the same thing yes and they just said to me have you just seen the ghost <laughs> and i said i don't know i think i might have done anyway so i dashed to the place where this apparition had appeared and it was really cold and um, and that was it. And I was just astonished. And I sort of went back, and it really unsettled me. Mm. And then um, later on in the week, we were having a training session, and I was downstairs. And during the break, I was just chatting about I'd seen this, this apparition. And um, one of the members of staff turned around. After, she was on the computer, and she said, "You've just described Mr. Ward. He was the caretaker here about fourteen years ago." Good. Yeah. Ooh, makes the hairs on the back of your neck stand on end. <laughs> Good grief. Is it, do you know, I had a theory about ghosts. Years and years ago, in Victorian times, a typical day out for Victorian London was to go down to, uh, to, to, to the mad people's place <laughs> and you would stand there and you would watch all, all the loonies walking around talking to nothing. And my theory was that perhaps they were of a higher intelligence and they could see something we couldn't see. Right. So when you thought that they, they were talking to nobody, they actually probably saw a person. Well, well, I, I'm open-minded now. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I would, I would so love to sit here doing a programme and all of a sudden, a bit like Star Trek, people materialise in the studio. Mm. I mean, it would, it would, because nobody would believe it. You could sit here till you were blue in the face going, there are three ghosts in the studio and you could describe the way that they, they dread. I mean, admittedly, I do have to follow Christo and some mornings he does look a bit like a ghost. <laughs> admittedly, a fairly large ghost, a well-fed yeah. ghost. But, but you do, and, and you think, I so want to believe it, but until I've got the concrete proof mm. or I've seen it, it, it's very difficult for people to accept it. Well, and the other sort of slightly strange thing was when I went home that night after seeing it and I was walking past a neighbour who's quite religious and mm. she was walking on the pavement it was dark it was November 
And I said, oh, I said, hello. I said, uh, where are you off? She said, well, I'm just off to church now. And I said, oh. She said, yes, it's All Saints Day, which is <laughs> the day. Yeah. Yes. And, uh, well, right, okay. I mean, I've often wondered then, I mean, if, if such a thing as goats exist, then surely by sitting in a, in a graveyard at night, you should see them. That's the most likely place you can <laughs> find them, isn't it? I'm assuming. Yeah. I'm assuming they are dead people, but for some reason they haven't crossed... Uh, the, the, it was explained to me that it was, it was people who had a troubled life and they hadn't, they hadn't passed over properly. Well, and, and it's interesting because a few weeks after, I was marking the homework upstairs at um, 11 o'clock in the morning on my own. Mm. And, um, and I, I had my eyes looking down, but at the top of my eyes I could see something white drop and it made a noise, dunk. So I carried on marking, and then as, as I'd finished the paper, I, I t- looked, got up from my desk mm. and walked around to see this white object that had fallen, and there was nothing there. Um, but this room, I wasn't the only one, in, you know, previous to what my, the apparition. Um, you know, other members of staff had gone up there, and there was always, you always felt there was something there, mm. you know. Yes. Is it almost like a, not, not a temperature drop, but you just feel different, don't you? Yes, definitely. I remember I, I, I go for a walk most days, and I, I walk past this big house where a very famous person used to live. And I said to a friend of mine, I said, if I won the lottery, I'd love to buy that. He said, what would you do? He said, you'd rattle around. He said, I'd be scared to be in a big house like that. Yeah. I said, not really. I said, I, I quite like the idea of buying a house that's got some sort of history to it. Yes, yeah, so, well, this didn't frighten me at all. No. 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 My, my, my father always claimed that he'd seen a ghost. Mm. Always claimed years ago, because he was in the REF, and he claimed he'd, he'd seen... The, I can't remember what it was a ghost of, but he, he, he firmly believed in it. Yes, well, I do now. There you go, you see? You Another go. convert. <laughs> Have a lovely day, Jane. It's lovely hearing you. Thank you. Take Bye. care. Bye. There's Jane. So she's seen a ghost. 0845 Very quickly, actually, um, uh, Andy... Uh, sent me in a text and said, if you thought the words of the Irish anthem were bad, you need to check out the Montenegro national anthem. First verse is a sample. O bright dawn of May, our mother Montenegro, we are sons of your rocks and keepers of your honesty. We love you, the rocky hills and your horrifying gorges that never came to know the chains of shameful slavery. <laughs> kind of just trips off the tongue, that one, doesn't it? I think we'll all be singing that one a bit later on. Uh, Tom says, you'll see English flags hanging out of people's cars every World Cup and the Euros. That's how proud it gets here, but yet we're terrible at international football. I agree. And Simone in Camden has got the right idea. The national anthem should be Agadoo by Black Lace. That would absolutely... Agadoo. That would really get people going, wouldn't it? Bring Me Sunshine has been suggested. Thank you very much indeed for that one. Let me just quickly uh, dispense with some of these ones here. Paul in Maidstone. He says, a soldier song is indeed the anthem of the Republic of Ireland. I learnt to sing it in Gaelic, or Gaelic, but it can be sung in English. Ireland's Call is a rugby anthem that's sung at international matches. Thank you. Uh, Lost my pub, says Lisa in Rayleigh. Nearly three years ago, lost everything. House, car, savings. Now back on my feet, running a traditional British cafe. As for God Save the Queen, it should be God Save Great Britain. Good luck with your cafe, Lisa. Do you know, I was saying to somebody the other day, we used to have a lovely little one in, in Twickenham where you could get a nice little cooked breakfast. You don't seem to find these little cafes around now, do you? I've often thought, you know, to run a little cafe in the morning for all the people who are up at this time, we could go and get a nice bacon butty and a piece of fried bread on toast. Oh, how lovely. I was going to say fried bread on toast, but you wouldn't have fried bread on toast, would you? Uh, Steve, National Anthem, D says... Jerusalem, the favourite. Dees and Laylam, which is very nice, which is very nice. Staines. Far, far prettier than Staines, I have to tell you. And um, I vow to thee, it's called Finlandia, says Wynne. No, I vow to thee my country was taken from Holst, the planets. And I believe it's Jupiter, the bringer of jollity. Yes, I, I know my Holst. 
I know my Hulse, let me tell you. Um, Andy, the railway man. It's not the one from Twickenham Station, is it? Every, every morning I go through there. And yesterday I was stupid, because I said to people how much money I had in my wallet. And I said I had £100 in my wallet. And the man at Twickenham Railway Station, as I, I walked through, he went, naughty. I said, what? He said, telling people how much money you've got. I said, well, I lied anyway. He said, what, you had less? I said, no, I had £250 in my wallet. <laughs> I don't know why I had I must be going out and buying something yesterday, but I didn't. Uh, so, um, how about, says Andy, the Dam Busters theme, or the Great Escape? It's got to have words to it, though, hasn't it? It's got to have words. Brian in Hampton Hill says, I don't mind going to funerals, Steve, as long as I can go home afterwards. There's no, no point in being the last one left in the, in, in the cemetery, as uh, they go, we're all leaving you now. Goodbye. And you go, oh, I don't want to be left. That's why I hate funerals. Hate them. I spoke to someone the other day who was going off to a funeral. He said, I don't like funerals. I said, we're not very good at doing them because they're always, they're always quite, quite miserable. The Italians, Steve, have got a, a very good national anthem. Very rousing. Very rousing. So we're actually talking about national anthems. We're looking for something a bit more upbeat. And also, here's, here's a great one. I'd love to know this one. The average person can only bear listening to Amy Childs for 19 seconds because... She, which is quite long enough, because she's got apparently the worst voice ever. Researchers put men and women aged 18 to 45 in a test room, one at a time, and asked them to listen to a prominent personality. I don't know why they've asked about her then. And, uh, and they could only last 19 seconds. The worst ones, Natalie Cassidy. What? She's a bit... She's one minute, 36 seconds. Gavin Henson. I didn't even know he spoke. I thought he was mute. One minute, 12. Christine. Hiya. Bleakly, 59 seconds, and that's far too long. Ed Miliband, 28 seconds, and Amy Childs, the most boring voice under the sun. Poor soul, honestly. Mind you, I'd also nominate Nic- Nicola McLean and Frankie Cocosa, Kirk Norcross, Mark Wright, anybody from Anywhere's Essex, actually, because they all speak like five-year-olds. It's a bit of a shame, really. Somebody with perfect diction coming up in a moment. It's LBC 97.3. It's 5.30. Morning, 25 to 6. I must tell you, we, we were talking about ghosts this morning, because you, you never get good pictures of ghosts. And years ago, I went with my friend Anna, and we, we, we I don't know why, we were just looking at houses. And this house came up for sale near Hampton Court. And I've, I've been past it on numerous occasions. It's very near the church, and it apparently used to be a cottage for workers who worked at the palace, because it's, it's a good 15-minute walk, I would have thought. So a nice, nice brisk walk to get you to the palace. But when we went into this house, and it's like an old cottage, it's, it's small and it's got plants growing over it. When we went, I felt cold when we went in there, and it was summer, and we walked out into the back courtyard, and we were horrified, because my friend Anna said to me, she said, have you seen what the courtyard is made of? And I went, no. The whole floor of the courtyard of this cottage were old gravestones. They were all round the walls, and all over the floor, they'd moved them from the local churchyard. Because after a while, if, if a graveyard is deconsecrated, it means that there's no family members left, and they can move. So you will see in Twickenham, we've, we've got one, and it's now a kid's playground. They've moved the gravestones to the very back. You can think that, but, you know, but, but they, they all date back to the, you know, 1700s, 1800s, things like that. But this, this was so spooky, it gave you a bit of a... Bit of a strange feeling. Very, it's very strange because you know you can never explain this, can you, Cheryl? No. Good morning, Steve. Morning. Yes. Well, my dear boy, I don't know where to start with this story. Oh Lord! It what the beginning? Many years ago. Many years ago, I was a young woman of twenty-seven, hmm. and I was moved into a Regency house, right. where they had different apartments for people waiting on a waiting list, and um, 
I was right down, it was a basement flat, but it wasn't right into the ground. Mm. It was sort of just level with the garden, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, I moved in there. Uh, I knew everyone um, casually, you know, hello, hello. And um, it started off every evening, same, at the same time, there would be banging and things moving about. And I thought to myself, my neighbors did housework in the evening, no problem. No problem. And there, and there was strange music and all sorts. And anyway, to cut a long story short, nothing was suspicious about the noises. It was all very audio, you know, it was just mm. worldly stuff going around me. Eventually, uh, after putting up a lot of these different noises and thinking my neighbors were active, um, the girl next door called me in, in, in terror. Come quickly. And I ran over to her um, side of the fence and got up to her. She was almost dead. She was so scared. Mm. And she told me that a chair had thrown itself along a corridor, went round a bend, and ended up in a in in, in a in a ninety degree um, position. Mm. So I said, "Oh dear, good Lord! You know what have you been drinking?" Anyway, I took the chair and I said, "Look, do you want me to destroy it? I'll destroy it outside." I said, "Don't worry about it." How can that happen? I said, probably movement of the ground. That's all I could say. I didn't think much about it at the time. And anyway, lots of different things started to happen. It really crescendoed. No one could sleep one particular night. So I took my dog. My dog had often um, sent something, but, you know, I thought it was probably vagrants got into the apartment above me, which was vacant. And I just took no notice. But anyway, eventually... Um, everyone had to run out to, into the street. The policeman, his wife, and two children, myself in the basement with dog and the friend, and the people uh, on the other side of the detached house opened their windows and their doors, and across the street, everybody was saying, what the hell is going on? Anyway, they called the police. And when they came with their dogs, they said, it's squatters that got into the place. They came in, they searched the whole house. It was a massive big house, every ounce of everything. But there's a lot that was going on. Wow. I woke up in the middle of the night, and I saw a lady in my apartment, in my house. Um, she looked at me, and I thought to myself, well, my good God, shall I scream no? I'll <laughs> no, my no. <laughs> anyway, all these things were going on. And I, I knew something spooky was going on, but I was trying to live with it. Yes. I was trying not to suit my little kids or anyone else. And the man next door said to me when the kids screamed that day with the chair incident, she said, well, don't leave me. When her father came home, he said he saw a lady walk into the bedroom one night, mm. sat at his, his um, table where he had a mirror, combed her hair and walked back out and closed the door. And all sorts of people were telling me different things, what was happening to them. And I said, what about you guys keep cleaning the house at night? They said, no, Cheryl, that is not us. We thought it was you. No. And when the police arrived on the particular night, there was a big crescendo going on with their dogs. They said, you're going to think we're all mad, but we have to go to the station now to say there's Portuguese activities um, in, your, in your house. Because... That's the only explanation we can come up with. 
It was so loud, you can hear it at the bottom of a very long road. Wow. I wonder what used to be on the site of the house before. That would be the interesting thing, wouldn't it? Well, it was an old Regency house that had been there for many, well, a century and a half. Yes, yes. But I wonder what was there before that. Well, that's it. You know, but the woman I saw was a a ringer, dead ringer, for um, the Queen Victoria. Oh, goodness. You know, the looks of the face and the hairstyle and the long black frock and the white apron that goes right down as well and the two plaits. And I looked at her, because I'm a bit of, I used to do a little bit of artwork, and I looked at her, and when I opened my eyes and I saw her standing there, I thought, well, good God, is she going to come towards me? Am I go- I'm mm. not going to get out of bed. I'm just no. going to see what she does. Well, I've tried to steer her out, because this is my house now. Because you're never you sure, know. really, whether or not to be frightened by something like that. Some, somebody always petrified. said to me, yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest with you, if I saw something appearing in front of me, I would be probably petrified. So I, I, I'm not sh- I'd, I'd be frightened to say anything, but at the same time, looking at it with hindsight, I'd be thinking, I'd love to actually have a conversation with somebody. You know, do you think you could have a conversation with, with a ghost? Cheryl, that was a ghost. It's almost a book, that story. Almost a book. If not a, a small pamphlet. Thank you very much indeed for that. I got a lovely email from a lady the other day who's listening to this programme in France. And she lost her husband in October. And she's felt a bit down for, for quite a long while. And she said, yesterday was the first time, she said, you actually made me laugh. Well, it's not the first time I've made her laugh, but it's the first time I think she heard the programme. She said, you made me laugh. She had put a smile back on my face for the first time since October. And I was telling the story about the, uh, the four shots of coffee I got from Starbucks, which sort of put me up on the ceiling. I mean, it was it was just crackers time. It really was. So, uh, uh, more of your ghost stories, please. And also, the other thing is, who's got the most irritating voice? Uh, when when they put people listening to Amy Charles, because Amy Charles talks like a child. You know, she is child by name, child by nature. I don't predict too much of a career for a talk like that. You know, a little voice. You know, and you think, oh, for goodness sake. I mean, it's just, A, it's irritating. B, you couldn't have a conversation. Small wonder the poor girl's single. Patsy says, nobody can make me laugh so much and so easily, which is nice. Um, another one here, um, which says, uh, Tim Berners-Lee... Oh, I've lost my thing now. Tim Berners-Lee, apparently invented the World Wide Web, says, D, thank you. Simon Callow, good voice, says Denise. And um, another one here. Uh, Did you know that Lichtenstein's national anthem uses the same tune as the British one, says John in St Albans? There are six verses of God Save the Queen. But somebody said, what about that uh, that Scots, the anti-Scots verse? And it was the one that went, Lord grant that Marshal Wade may by their mighty aid victory bring. May he sedition hush and like a torrent rush rebellious Scots to crush God save the Queen. Thank you, Danielle, very much indeed. I didn't know that version. It's presumably it was taken out ages and ages and ages ago. Uh, Rule Britannia says Sally would be uh, great. Every time I hear it, I can picture my late mother belting out her own version, which she adapted to include her name, Rule Pat Tanner. Pat Tanner rules the waves. <laughs> I'm Ginger Steve, says Al, was mocked at school in the early 80s, because we're, we're talking about this, this poor lad who is Ginger, but he's, he's, he's what I call redhead. He's a redhead, but real redhead. And... 
and he, he got bullied at school. And my argument, it was not even an argument, I'm just telling you the facts. Everybody was, was bullied at school. Everybody, at some point. Alistair in, in Bedford says, my classmate was always getting, you know, the following ditty sung, ginger top, carrot nose, pull the plug and away he goes. Never bothered him and he often joined in. And I get that from a lot of people. A lot of people saying that they, they, they were ginger and they do get bullied. One here says, uh, some bullies just need to know there's always somebody bigger than themselves. Yes. So, uh, good there. Uh, read Tom Brown's School Days. I'm sure Max Bygraves played the blacksmith who taught Tom to box, says Brian. Yes, that was in, uh, that was in the British version as opposed to the American version. And you're absolutely right. No, in fact, uh, no, I, uh, he wasn't the uh, blacksmith. I think he was the coach driver. Wasn't he the coach driver? I think so. Um, Darren says, amazing proper cafe on Poplar High Street. Thank you. Charge of the Light Brigade. Hugh says you can't have a, a bacon butty without English mustard. Gerald in Harlow reckons William Haig has the most boring voice. Yes, he's got one of... You see, Adrian Charles has got a boring voice. But Amy Child... Actually, you won't believe this. This is... To, you, you know, it's companies, in an effort to get themselves publicity, go to, uh, to a company and they'll say, listen, we want to get our name out there. So what they did was... And, and this is from a company who make plants... They sell plants. So they, they came up with this wheeze of putting celebrities' voices. And they said, actually, by contrast, people didn't last five seconds with Amy Childs because she's got the world's worst voice. For a woman, it's just a dreadful voice. But they said, by contrast, people sat with a houseplant for four minutes, 49 seconds, and they didn't leave the room. And you think, they've got so desperate now. Um, and very quickly here from Kevin the Milkman, he says that the worst voice by a country mile has to be Cheryl, love me because I love me, Cole. Her voice could grate cheese. You're so right. <laughs> 14 minutes to six in the LBC newsroom. Sam Pittis. Thank you, Steve. A 20-year-old man's... Be- With Steve Allen. Morning. Listen, I've got tons and tons of your texts and emails to get through, so very quickly, here we go. Uh, this is one that says, Steve, I lived in a converted school in Canterbury with my girlfriend. At the time, we didn't have kids, but my partner was freaked out when she found a child's drawing on the stair wall. History of the school, two children died there. She was all for getting the place exercised, exorcised by a priest. Yes, that, that would probably freak a lot of people out. Um... Uh, another one here says, what about they'll always be in England? I tell you what, it's a very good song. It's called Rose of England. And it's, uh, it, I think it goes, Rose of England, da, 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 da. It's a really good song. And it came from, um, a British musical in the war years. And I've got a couple of versions of it. It was very, very good. Very, very good indeed. So, uh, try, try that one. Uh, one here says, I worked in an old night shelter that had numerous ghosts. A woman used to run through the dormitory every night. We had CCTV and we used to see a figure on the screen. And uh, we were, the building apparently had been a hospital in the war. So, uh, so that was it. Uh, the most annoying voices, Brian Thure, the art critic of Brian Thure, talked like this. He was on Alan Titchmarsh's show the other day. He looks as though he's a bit out to lunch, though, now, doesn't he? He looks as though he's well past his sell-by, poor soul. And uh, Janet Street Porter, well, Marco. Lorraine Kelly, oh, you're you're wonderful, you're cute, I love you, you're marvellous. She always looks like she's falling asleep to me, poor Lorraine Kelly. Nigel Mansell had a terribly boring voice, says Dave in Beckenham. Cathy Rex, the worst voice, Steve, is Jordan. Oh, I agree with you. What a boring, monotone voice. Oh, God, was that ever dull. Ever, ever dull. Uh, worst voice, Steve Margaret Thatcher. Best voice, James Earl Jones. And there's a, there's a chap called N. Rytel that can do every voice. I know N. Rytel very well. Uh, Steve, great voice actor, Roland Coleman. Worst voice, there's a woman on the shopping channel. Depends which shopping channel. 
and uh, <laughs> a few other people. Luckily, I've not been nominated in the worst voice category, so that's, that I should be uh, eternally grateful for. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Sean's got something for us this morning. Morning, Sean. Morning, Steve. Morning. You're right. From work. Um, that. Yeah, on the subject of ghosts. Oh, um, yeah. A friend of mine um, recently purchased a disused railway station. Oh, lovely. Um, and when, it was, when he bought it, it was derelict. So, um, obviously, he had it renovated. But what he'd done is he's had it renovated to the exact standard as it was when it was built. Oh, wow. Um, and he's moved in, um, popped round to... I mean, I saw it when it was a building site, and obviously now I'm, I've been round there a few times, now it's been done. And I said to him, you know, how are you settling in? Is it good? He goes, well, it wouldn't be so bad if the incumbent station master would have left as well. <laughs> so, of course, the, the hairs on the back of my neck stood on end, because <laughs> there's something about old buildings, you think, yes. I wonder yes. if this one's got a ghost. You know, it seems to be... Um, the norm for an old building. Anyway, oh, nice. Tell, tell me more. And he said, um, well, he's speaking to the guy who was running the building firm, renovating his place. And um, he said, oh, the electrician took a while to do a bit of work. He said, I've got something to tell you. So he said, what do you mean? He said, well, why do you think it took me so long to get him back? So um, obviously he's, he's curious. Mm. And um, he said to the guy... Uh, the guy was working in the kitchen one night, fitting some light switches. Uh, about March, February, March time, when it's dark, he's got the lights on. And you know when you get that feeling that someone's behind you and he's gone, mm. yeah, he said, well, this guy's turned round and there's a station master standing not more than six or seven feet away from him. And, of course, this freaked him out a tad, obviously. And um, I said to Chris, he said, yes, I've seen him twice. Um, and every time I go round now... I hope I'm going to see him, but I never do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've never seen a ghost. Um, but I'm you not... so want to, don't you? Yeah, but I'm not sure if I, how I'd react if I saw one. Do you know what I mean? Nobody would uh, believe you. Nobody would believe you. You'd no. actually go home and you'd tell him, you say, I saw this ghost, and go, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> because I've had people say that to me, and I think, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. I know, Because we also, we also want to see it, and, and we yeah. want to be able to take a photograph and go, look, here's me with my arm round a ghost. Yeah. It, it'll never happen, but in, no, in your it, ultimate fantasy, that's what it would be. Oh, yeah. He's a, he's a my friend now on Facebook. Yes, I would love to have it. Like, like whenever they... I used to watch Randall and Hopkirk deceased, I thought, how brilliant to have a ghost that can help you out of all sorts of fixes. That would be that would be absolutely fantastic. And you're right. I mean, why on earth? I mean, we've got all this technology around. Hmm? Why on earth can't we photograph a ghost? No, we can't. And, and, and the people who actually believe in ghosts and do this, they, they've got all the equipment, but they still can't get a good picture. So the only no. picture... If you go onto the, into the internet and type in photographs of ghosts, they're, they're, they're the most dreadful things. Hello? Yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought you died or something. I thought you wandered yeah. off. <laughs> No, no, I'm there, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> but it's, uh, but it's, it's a shame that in this day and age, A, we never get good pictures of the Loch Ness Monster, B, we've never had a good picture of a spaceship, B, there's uh, never any pictures of sort of spacemen, and C, we haven't got anything to do with ghosts. I think it's just their, um... What can I say? Um... Our romance with the curiosity... Yes. With the curiosity. Oh, yes, it is absolutely. We so want, you know, when we, when, when, when I sort of watch films, I love the whole, the whole romance, the fantasy. When I watched, what was that film? Oh, come on, what it's called now? It was, it was set in America, and it's a bloke, and this, this baseball team come through his cornfield. 
and and they come and, and he, he he does a, a game for them, but they're all ghosts of people gone park. I'm on the Dickens it's called now. But it was it's such a good film because you so want it to be true. You so want it to happen, and it's it's not fields of not fields of gold or something like that. Anyway, I, I can't even remember who's in it, but it's a it's a very good film. But sort of like a modern day twist on a on a ghost story where he's 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 got this field of corn and it talks to him, going, "Don't do this, don't do this." And then and it turns out that he has to has to to cut all the corn down and put up a baseball field, and the players come back, all the ghosts of the players come back. Uh, field of Dreams is that Kevin Cosner? It's such a good film. It really is. It's, it's, it's not what I call a silly ghost story. It's kind, of a, it's, it's kind of the thing that you would think would be believable. It's like years ago, when I was younger, and uh, thank you for that call, incidentally, I used to have a little crystal set, which was... It didn't have a battery. It, you used to plug it onto the radiator. And for some reason, don't ask me how it worked, but it used to pick up things. And I used to believe, if you stood there, you could hear messages from outer space. So I'd stand there with this thing out the window. I was 15 at the time. I mean, what a strange child I must have been. Stand there thinking that there's obviously all that... I mean, I could never quite work out how radio works. I've been in it for donkey's years. Well, ten. Uh, well, a bit more. And, and I speak into this thing here, and then through the air, there's all these different jumbled-up things. And when it gets to the radio, it manages to sort itself out. How does that work? How does that work? I mean, it's just unbelievable. And, and there's no wires coming from this building to your radio. It's just like a dish on the roof which transmits it, and then it bounces off something in Crystal Palace, and then eventually it ends up all round the world. How does that happen? How does that happen? I mean, I haven't even fathomed out my iPhone yet. I've got 4,000 music tracks on here. Where are they? I could see them before when it was a CD, but I can't see anything on the iPhone at all. Apparently, it's a chip. It's a chip, ladies and gentlemen. You see, modern technology. Uh, you said you thought, says Philip, the tune to the German national anthem might be English in origin. This is Deutschland, Deutschland über alles. It was actually written by Haydn, so it's not English, but you may remember it from your days as a school chorister. It's the tune to the hymn, Glorious Things of Thee Are Spoken, Zion City of Our God. He whose word should not be broken. I love that. I, really, I found that very, very rousing. Uh, on the subject of the Irish National Anthem, it was the Irish National Anthem you played, says Paul. Uh, its name is The Soldier's Song. If you go into YouTube and type Irish National Anthem RTE, you'll see the words and also the film that the Irish broadcasters played out with it every night they closed down. My choice for ours would be A Rule Britannia. Seems to be a very popular choice this morning. Uh, I remember the Queen being played at all the cinemas at the end of the evening shows and the Mad scrambled to get out before it started. Yes, it was always the same film for riding side saddle. I don't remember a film, actually, of that going along. But he says, uh, as a good Catholic lad, though, any function church-wise we went to ended with a hymn called Faith of Our Fathers, a rousing tune. Check out on, um, check out on, on YouTube this Rose of England, because I think that would make a really good national anthem for this country. A bit more, bit more inspired than God Save Our Gracious Queen. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk, or 08456060973. Apparently there's snow, says Mikey, in a place called Nairnshire. I've no idea what that is, but it sounds absolutely lovely. Scotland, I'm guessing, something like that, sort of up that, that neck of the woods. A light dusting, but very cold, and it's been snowing since 3am. How lovely. Anybody seen the Aurora Borealis yet, the Northern Lights? They're supposed to be moving down the country. Sam Pittis with the news, which is next. On FM, online and digital radio. Morning, it's early breakfast. It's five past six. Welcome along to Wednesday. Payday soon. Beginning, beginning a bit excited. 
Of course, most of you have rapidly uh, been sort of deplenish- de- depleting your, uh, your bank accounts over the Christmas period. And now, of course, the bills have started arriving. Isn't it just awful? Just dread it. Every we suddenly realise we're all in debt. Not just the the whole country. A trillion dollars, if a trillion pounds. Can you believe it? I've never even heard of a trillion before. Well, I've heard of it. I didn't think we could actually be in debt for that one. We've quite clearly not money managed at all well. And the rest of us over Christmas have been rubbish. I'm afraid, absolutely dreadful. So at least you're being paid tomorrow, and then you'll have to start paying back all the little bits. And oh, it's going to be dreadful, isn't it? I said it was a bad month. I said it was a bad month. Jim and uh, and Christine are in San Diego. They've just had a nice fishy-type dinner at Fiddler's Green, and uh, they've visited friends who listen to LBC as often as possible. Uh, Southern California is brilliant, apart from having rubbish radio. It was raining yesterday, but we'll be warm in the 70s for the rest of the week, so we're, we're beaching, I think. Flying back to Caterham next Tuesday, he says, we need to be a bit more like the Americans and fly the flag more outside the houses. We don't do it here, do we? We just... It's not... For some... We don't do it. And if we do do it, we put the St George's flag up, which is uh, not so not so great. Uh, another one here. Very. I'm trying to get through as many of these as possible because I've, I've sort of been a little bit remiss. Um, I think "Old Lang Syne" says Jamal sounds quite nice. Yeah, you're never going to use it for a national anthem. And uh, you've forgotten verse six, says David, which is General Wade bashing the rebellious Scots. And I read that out earlier. So it shows how far behind I am with these things at the moment. Uh, the verse of the national anthem uh, I like seldom heard is not in this land alone, but be God's mercies known from shore to shore. Lord, make the nation see that men should brothers be and form one family the wide world over. Thank you, Roy, very much indeed. Awful voices we're looking at this morning. <clears throat> Richard in Wapping says we have different names for bad shots. If you, if you miss hit a ball really badly, it goes a long way. We call it a Sally, Sally Gunnel. So there you go. Sounds awful, but a good runner. <laughs> at the moment, it, because there was a... Uh, a survey done, another one of these crackpot surveys, and it proves that people can only listen to Amy Charles for 19 seconds. Far too long, I'm afraid. As like all these sort of vacuous bimbo types, uh, you don't really want to hear them talking. They're, they're just better to look at. Uh, weather forecast for today, yes, I did remember to bring my little umbrella, because I'm a, I'm a good boy today. Generally cloudy, occasional drizzle, the odd bright spell possible during the morning. High today... Uh, 11 degrees, milder than yesterday. Currently, it's 10 degrees. And tonight, cloudy with drizzle. Tomorrow, rain clearing. And then we should have uh, the odd shower forming. Friday, bright with showers and a chilly northeasterly wind. Saturday, dry at first, rain later. And Sunday, mainly dry, bright, but chilly with a high breeze. Uh, Sally says, uh, I love it. I've heard it on YouTube. Ruse and all find it. But it's really, if you haven't heard it before, it's from an old musical. And I cannot remember for the life of me. What about Rose of England? Really good stuff. Uh, so we're, we're trying to find out awful voices, voices that you go, oh, that is such a dreadful voice. I mean, Amy Charles or any old, uh, that other one is that uh, silly little Harry drip boy from The Only Way's Essex who's been dropped by the programme, thank God. And uh, ghastly voice, absolutely ghastly voice. Uh, good voices and bad. The rare and priceless Tom Baker, who has just turned 78. Count them, 78. Good grief. Brian. Morning, Brian. Hey, Bernard. Is, is that Steve? I don't know. Is that Bernard? Uh, yes, it's Bernard. I met you about four years ago. I'm trying to take off Sure. It. Could I just tell you, favourite song, which I think should be the national anthem, is I Vow to Be My Country. Now, you're beginning to sound a little bit like Anthony Blanche in Brideshead Revisited. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. 
Stephen, we did meet, actually. I do play the harmonica. Good Lord. <laughs> what, on... badly or, or well? Oh, no, quite well. I'm going on tour to Florida to play in eight shows. Really? Absolutely. How do lovely. Do you remember me? I used to see you in the... Uh, I worked for um, Richmond Council. Right. And I saw you in the hairdressers in Twickenham once. Wouldn't we surprise me. I, I do actually spend a lot of time in it. Hardly worth bothering. Hardly worth bothering going to the hairdressers for me, but I, I do enjoy that. Which, where, who taught you to play the harmonica? Well, I got a harmonica at the age of seven. Right. I uh, retired at the age of 66, and I used to live in Kew Gardens. Well, oh, right. The Kew Gardens. But now I bought a brand new house in Edelstein. What does your normal voice sound like, Brian? Oh, it's okay. No, it's, um, it's fine. That's <laughs> my voice, you see. The only one. See, the trouble is, <laughs> it's actually very freaky because Brian Sewell's voice is. Or you, or when you first hear Brian Sewell, uh, everyone thinks he's putting it on, but of course he does talk like that. No, but it was absolutely amazed me. He, he was a, a sergeant major in the army. Could was you he? Imagine? Must have been the campest sergeant major there's ever been. <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine. <laughs> okay, left, right, left, right. <laughs> I just can't him, see it. <laughs> well, they should have put him in a carry on film, shouldn't <laughs> they? <laughs> he used to live with Anthony Blunt. I can't remember that chap. Yes, Anthony Blunt used to look after the Queen's pictures. He was a traitor. Oh, I Anthony remember. Anthony Blunt yes. the traitor. He was stripped of, his, uh, of any honours that he was given by the Queen. The other one I do is. Um, bri- um, is uh, God rest him, Harry Seekham, you know. Hello, I'd like to speak to you. Jenny, to be honest with you, most of them round here think you've been drinking. <laughs> I like that, the Harry Seekham. Brian, thank you for that very much indeed. I think it's too much for any man to cope with at this time of the morning. Good luck with the old harmonica. But you do sound like um, like the bloke in Brideshead, who I can't remember his name now, it's dreadful because I know him so well, but I'm having one of my senior moments, and he was Anthony Blanche, and it was it was absolutely wonderful. This song, and I knew that Barry Burnett would know, young Burnett, says Rose of England was from Crest of the Wave by Ivan Novello. It was such a good song, I've got it with an orchestra and chorus, and it's so patriotic, and it's all about the, the Red Rose of, of England. Thank you, young Burnett. I trust you are well this morning. Trust everybody's well, even at Twickenham Railway Station. I trust people are, are well. Phil in Clapham says, I've sensed a few ghosts. After my mum died, I was in my bed and I felt as if someone sat on the edge of it as the mattress dipped down. After my cat died in bed again, I felt her walking up the bed like she used to do. And after my brother had died, I was staying at his place and using his bed. And one side of the bed got very cold and my arm went numb. I think I actually need a new bed. I think, I think your mattress has gone. You know, <laughs> actually, strange enough, after my mum died, sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? And it's probably led of old hooey. But I drove down the motorway and there was a cloud in front of me. <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling you this. So, so my mum had just died and, and I'm driving down and my mum and dad, I saw clear as anything, sitting on like a park bench and they waved at me. They waved, I kid you not. And, and I remember... And, and, I, and I, I told a couple of people, and they went, that it's probably quite normal to sort of think things like this. I said, but I saw them as clear as... It was almost like, you know, after my mum had died, she couldn't wait to be reunited with my dad, who died uh, some years before. And there they were on the bench, and they were waving at me. And I, I felt a bit better about things after that. You know, which is always good. Sometimes you don't feel so, so good about things. Anybody got the answer to why Denise, the drunk Welsh, can't control herself? 
more shenanigans in the Big Brother house. Um, I think she needs to get help, and I think it needs to be fairly quickly. She's, uh, she's not well, and, and it's just a bit, a bit embarrassing, I'm afraid. A little bit embarrassing. There's also the thief here, a serial thief. His name is Ronnie Tretton. He's a bit of a saddo. He really is. He's just come out of prison, and uh, he, he had £1,000 confiscated from him. The police found him. He's unemployed. He doesn't work. He's a, he's a thief. That's what he does. He, he does it for a living. And uh, they found all this money, so they confiscated it. And he's come out of prison. He said, I'm going to steal it all back again. Because he's, he's that stupid. You know, to be honest with you, I don't know what the answer is for people like that. I really have no idea what you do with somebody who is that thick. But uh, he apparently has got this notoriety. Because the papers put people in there and they, they effectively make them stars. Shameful postal worker here took cash donated to charity. Bernard Mumbaya Kimming was trapped. Our surveillance teams put money in dummy packages. The father of four admitted he was very ashamed. He took £2,000 from Manchester. You thief, honestly. People like that just really, really make me very angry. 14 minutes past six. LBC 97.3 Spring fairs that are blooming great. Aer Lingus has just the ticket. Fly from London to Dublin from as little as 19.99 to Cork and Knock from 24.99 and to Shannon and Belfast from just 35.99. All fairs one way including taxes. <laughs> Morning, 18 minutes past six. Why can't this poor woman stop herself? The embarrassment that is Denise Welsh, an outspoken star of daytime television whose well-publicised battles with drink, depression and infidelity has been eclipsed by her humiliating turn on Celebrity Big Brother. I heard a horrendous story the other day about Denise Welsh. It's totally unrepeatable. Totally unrepeatable. But I tell it to anybody that I bump into just to prove how awful this, this woman is. I mean, it is just an embarrassment on television. Um, I think, to be honest with you, if I was the producer of Loose Women, you can... She's... Uh, it's just, you know, she's not a role model. She's not, she's not bright. She's not intelligent. She's just a bad drunk, I'm afraid. And that's, that's the sad... You know, that's, that's the sad state of affairs now, that we laugh at the sad drunk on television who gets her boobs out when she's had a few drinks, you know, and who embarrasses her husband, embarrasses everybody, really. And then they put her on loose women and they ask her opinion on things. I just don't think it's, don't think it's worth it. Um, just thought I'd let you know the Field of Dreams has been sold. No more baseball games in the cornfield. Thank you so much. Such a good film. Such a good film. Loved it completely. Uh, there was a trailer film with it, says uh, John. This is when they played the national anthem in the cinemas, as we, and, and the moment it started, people would run for the exits. And I, I don't think it was, any, it was any sense of disloyalty to the crown. It was just the fact you wanted to get out of the cinema, and we'd heard the song before. So th- that was why. Uh, Rose of England, thank you, Paul in Manchester. Young Burnett beats you to it, is the novello musical Crest of a Wave. Marvellous song. If you haven't heard it, I'm, I'm pushing people to, the, uh, to YouTube this morning. Type in Rose of England, you'll love it. It's a really good song, actually. Um... Make sure you're flying your flag outside your home. Uh, it, it won't happen, Jim and Christine. You know why? Because the only flag that, that people fly nowadays is that flag of St George. And if you see that flying outside a pub or something, you think it's a bit naff, don't you? If you saw the flag of St George outside a pub, you would immediately go, that's quite clearly a chavvy pub. That's what I would think straight away. I wouldn't, I wouldn't think anything else at all. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, another one very quickly, uh, here. And uh, this is... I've got so many of these to get through. I've forgotten, actually, how many I've got. I belong to a Target shooting club, says Sue, based in an old Victorian fort. 
It was featured in some rubbish programme called Only Wears Essex. They did a ghost hunt. My husband was there the night before they filmed. And the producers were planning where the ghosts were to be seen. I'm often the first to open our dark, dingy club room. I've even spent the night in the fort, but I've never, ever seen a ghost. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, Alex Jones from The One Show's voice is terrible, says Maxine. Hasn't she got the most awful voice? I didn't realise it the other day. What a, what a dreadful voice. Ab- Nicholas Grace, thank you so much. Was the stammerer in B- 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 Brideshead Revisited? His name was Anthony B- B- Blanche. Thank you, uh, Asian. Thank you very much indeed for that one. I've, actually, the worst thing is, I've known Anthony for years and years, and uh, Nicholas Grace, I beg your pardon, and I, could, I just keep getting a mental blockage with him. But uh, uh, best voices to listen to Steve, Adrian, says uh, Sean Connery at his best, Richard Burton, War of the Worlds, Brian Blessed, lovely, I love Brian Blessed, uh, James L. Jones, and I like. I like. Uh, Steve Allen as well. So they can, well, what can you want? What, what can you want? I like, I like listening. There used to be a, a bloke on another uh, radio station whose name was Brian. That's all I'll tell you. But he had one of the most marvellous voices for radio. You know, a really good, what I call, a, a, just a fabulous voice. And I used to absolutely love it. Uh, Stuart the Cabbie says, I think the best voice I could listen to all day after yourself is Morgan Freeman. I don't think you could listen to my voice all day. I don't think... I'd, I'd, I'd always wanted Barry White's voice. Nina in Croydon doesn't like uh, the man who does the sky at night. Very boring voice. Oh, you think? Oh, I, th- I thought his voice was okay, actually. I'd say uh, bad voices. Louis Spence. Yes. Uh, Steve, if I missed something, why is flying St George's flag not so great? Because it's chavy. It's chavy. That's the problem. If you see it anywhere, you know that it's going to be accompanied by a Staffordshire bull terrier and people drinking pints and using the F word a lot. You know, that's that's why I'm afraid. Good news is, Steve, it's only 11 months to Christmas. Hooray! Let's start doing Christmas shopping and writing out the cards later on today. I've still got my uh, my lights up from uh, from this year. Although I'm pleased to say that the fish shop in Twickenham, actually for the first year ever, they've come down so fast. They were very good, actually. Um, I remember Rose of England with pride, says Simon in Essex. We all sang it at school in 82 as the soldiers set off to defend the Falklands. Yes, you remember that. Mind you, that could kick off again very shortly. Field of Dreams. Uh, Kevin Cosner says, Brian, fantastic film. Fantastic film. Uh, most irritating voice, says Lynn, Diane Abbott. Yes, she has got... Actually, the funny thing about Diane Abbott is, watch her on the television, and she spends a lot of time staring up at the ceiling as if she's waiting for divine intervention. Never quite makes it as far as I'm I'm afraid. Uh, Janet Street, Porter and Sarah Palin, the worst voices in the world. This was after a survey said that people could only listen to Amy Child for 19 seconds. As far as I'm concerned, that was 10 seconds too long. Uh, Worst voice says uh, Joss in Hungerford is uh, David Beckham. Yes, he has got silly voice, hasn't he, David Beckham? Can't help it, I suppose, you know. But, uh, but some people change their voices. The most, most noticeable change was, um, was the woman out of EastEnders who, who, uh, who played the landlady. You know, she turned up on the television. And she was, she was EastEnd, and then she went to posh school because she was going to be actress... And, uh, and then she came out, and the job she got was talking as she did before. There's a lovely couple in the paper today. I do like them. Fred Hawley and his wife, Joan. She's 79, he's 80. They look very good. And uh, they're a thrifty couple. They've got Britain's oldest working toaster. They reckon it's 59 years old. They say, we've gone through a dozen electric kettles, but the toaster is as good as new. I've never had to touch it. Even the chrome is still in perfect condition. God, I've lost track of the amount of toasters that I've got through. I've been, I've had duelets. At the moment, I've got a toaster which doubles up as, um, as, um, as a grill. 
as well, which is actually which is actually quite quite nice. And I do use, occasionally if I'm going to have cheese on toast. I love cheese on toast. I don't have it very often because it's, uh, it's not very good for you. Listen, in the remaining few minutes of the, uh, the programme, I think we have, we have sorted... The only thing we didn't get from you this morning is a celebrity to showcase Britain. Now that Mick Jagger's gone, I don't want to do it. So he's, he's decided he doesn't want to do that. And uh, he's, he's, being, he's complaining of being used as a political football. I don't know. They get ideas above this state. They're only, you'd think he'd be proud, wouldn't you? Of course he's being used. Everybody who works for the government or does some for the government could be accused of being a political football. I don't think it means that he is. He says, I think it's best I decline the invitation to the key event and curtail my visit. Honestly, goodness sake, it's, not, it's only just tea. You know, it would be a, an annual elite gathering. He says, in a statement, Sir Mick said, During my career, I've always eschewed party politics and came to Davos as a guest. I thought it would be stimulating. I've always been interested in economics and world events and now find myself being used as a political football. And there's been a lot of comment about my political allegiance, which are inaccurate. So I've declined it. I mean, so what, for goodness sake? So somebody went, oh, you know, we thought that you'd want to go and talk for the Tories or do something like that. Who cares? Who cares? You know, it's not worth getting your knickers in a twist over is it really just one of those sort of things that you, you just put down to okay so people perhaps had you marked up differently brian says the staff at twickenham railway station are all well thank you i think so too best voice donald sindon donald sindon great voice uh, and d in Laylam. uh irritating voice stacy solomon yeah and yet when you talk to her she's so sweet she is so sweet i was always the first one to take take the mickey who am I talking to tomorrow for In Conversation? I've just realised. I'm talking to one of the... That's right, Martin Kemp. He's got a new film out, uh, which is good. Paul Cooper, a Cockney voice. Is that, is that good or bad? Or is that, is that an irritating voice, a Cockney voice? All right, darling? Hey, dude. All right, sweet pea. Hello, Treacle. I don't do Cockney voice at all. It just sounds ridiculous when I do things like that. Front pages of the papers very, very quickly. Uh, just before we finish, we hand over to Susan Bookbinder. I must tell you, we're going to sort out today... Holly's going to sort out about the, uh, the animal pictures, so we'll, we'll, we'll knock them down and then you'll be voting, but I'll tell you about that, OK, a little bit, uh, little bit later on. Uh, so everybody's, uh, everybody's doing quite well. I mentioned somebody's birthday. I did mention birthdays earlier on, uh, and I did mention the Facebookers. Daily Star on the front page, they've got the couple. He, he was sheltering from the rain and he bought a lottery ticket, and it paid off because he got £41 million. So it's nice. To, I'm so happy for him not and uh, they were on the television and what are they going to buy first of all she wants an ipod and i really hate people like this and they're going to get some new carpet for upstairs in the house because apparently it's a bit worn so they don't let people go upstairs uh, why don't you just get a new house you've got 41 million pounds and they do look very happy i mean i don't know who actually bought the ticket because presumably either one can get rid of the other one i don't know if they're married or anything else he's actually a builder or decorator or something like that but that's good isn't it 41 million i bet we're all thrilled there and we'll all be sending them our very best wishes with a brick <laughs> he says i only i only bought the ticket because i didn't want to get rained on oh it's a lovely picture of them both looking really happy because yeah she's actually quite quite pretty isn't she which is unusual for lottery winners normally a bit like that look at those have wandered in out the rain somewhere but um and they're only young they got 40 million 627,241 pounds and i couldn't i couldn't be happier i really couldn't be happier it was so my money that was so my money but it doesn't matter anyway i shall i shall live without it it doesn't matter it does not matter uh, big brother twins bottom smacklash because apparently the, the Big Brother twins were, were actually complaining because, uh, unfortunately, Denise Welsh pulled one of their, their trousers down. 
and it showed their bottoms. So the Daily Star found lots of pictures of the twins showing their bottom. The expresser asking the question how petrol could hit £7 a gallon. More misery for us drivers. Just means we've taken the cars out less. Uh, Denise Welsh, just just a bad drunk, I'm afraid, and an embarrassment. Uh, Ashley and Jay-Z, partner held over murder front of the sun. And hallelujah, the Archbishop blasting the clerics, blasting them, who oppose welfare reform and declares the real moral scandal is our million-pound, trillion-pound debt. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Have yourself a lovely day. Don't forget to download the programme and the free podcast. I need the figures, really. Believe you me, I need the figures. Nick and the team with you after the news at 7 this morning. Coming up next on LBC 97.3, the morning news with Susan Bookbinder. My London home. My London home found me the perfect...